This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. That's Trav. I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. And as always, we are here to give you our opinions on 80s and 90s media. Uh, please contact us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. That email address is going to be changing pretty soon, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, Trav, how you doing? Pretty good, man. Had a nice little day off. I forget if I mentioned this already, but I got set up with my buddy's old computer. Nice. So I've been playing what any millennial would do and 1999's roller coaster tycoon hell yeah <laughs> i've been playing a bunch of and then hearthstone which i already played but now playing it on the pc is cool totally different but that's all i did all day was game and watch goldeneye twice nice so <laughs> <laughs> nice how was your day uh you know uh really good um i got a we got a new pc for the podcast we already mentioned that on the show right I think so. yeah so we got a new pc for the podcast which I also happen to build to be able to do gaming. <laughs> so yeah. I've also been doing some gaming. And you know a game goes really good with podcast editing? What? City Skylines. City Skylines. It goes really, really well with podcast editing. So nice. maybe it makes the editing last a little bit longer than it should, but that's okay. <laughs> City Skylines is great. You gotta do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. The second one just came out uh, yesterday, two days ago, something like that. And, nice. Um, I didn't buy that one. I bought the first one because the second one's getting panned terribly because the developer said uh, we know that this game crashes and doesn't look good but we're still gonna release it on the date we said we're gonna release it patches are coming crazy i'm like well i'm glad i didn't pre-order total sidewinder have you watched the trailer for the new dragon ball series that's coming up i have not don't know what to think i mean i'll take anything dragon ball but there's no voices in it so i'm a little worried and in the trailer there is a new enemy that essentially wishes everyone to be a little kid Okay. And this somehow takes place, so Super is actually in between the end of Z, so there's like, Z ends with Boo, and then they show 10 years later, mm-hmm. that's where Super is, and this is somewhere in between that, too. So it's in so between it could be, Z and... It could be before Super, because yeah. they say the mark of Whis is not on Goku or Vegeta, so it might not even be to Super. So I'm confused. I'll take it, but I don't know what to think. Every time I watch it, I'm more confused. Krillin's a kid. The Kais are kids. Everyone is a kid now, except for, like, Majin Buu and Babidi are still the same in the trailer. So Hmm. I I don't get it, but it's from the guy who does DBZ, and so it says the story will be relevant. All right. I thought for sure they were going to go with uh, the the manga, the villain I, from the I last know. manga, because he seemed really badass. More so. more super, so hopefully that doesn't put super on the back burner. But. And we're still not going to see adult Goten or Trunks, are we? I don't think so. <laughs> Trunks is somehow a baby again in this trailer, like he is when future Trunks comes and Bulma's always carrying the <sighs> Trunks. He's that baby, so how? I don't. <laughs> Do you know what year future Trunks is supposed to be from? Like, pretty soon we're going to get to that year. That's true. I don't actually (laughs) remember. But, yeah, we're definitely getting close to that point. (laughs) That's so sad because one of the biggest things that I want out of New Dragon Ball is uh, adult Goten and adult Trunks. And now they're going the other direction. And how are you going to tease Ultra Ego Vegeta and then not give him to us? Yeah, so (laughs) all those new transformations are going to be 
I mean, I, I assume there. Super will continue, yes. but yeah, it's like, why are you whipping this out all of a sudden hmm. instead of continuing Super? But. I don't know, because they want to make even more money than they already do because Dragon Ball <laughs> yeah. Z is so wildly popular now. It's unbelievable. That is true. Has the has Dragon Ball had like a resurgence so that they want a young Goku and young Krillin and young everybody again? I don't know. They show in the trailer, they show the years everything has came out. And it's crazy to see how long Broly came out. We went to that together. It yeah. was like six years ago. That already. was that long ago already? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's that long ago. I know. Have you ever heard of the quickening? We're going off on another tangent here. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the quickening? Uh, I feel like you maybe brought this up on like one of the very first podcasts. Did I? Did. I probably did because it's something that I found really interesting. And I've talked about Art Bell in the past. He wrote a whole book about this called The Quickening and how as you get older, things go, it seems like your life moves faster oh, yeah, and faster yeah. and faster. So we've already talked about this? I think so. Like okay. Probably the first episode or probably, something like Probably, probably. Well, the short of it it's then is... a long is... time ago. <laughs> the short of it is then... Because the each year represents a smaller percentage of your life, right. your brain perceives it as a shorter distance of time, a shorter, right. shorter span of time. So, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the longest intro ever. Uh, and you're welcome, regular listener, because yeah. you don't have to pay for this one. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I used some articles in preparation for this podcast. Uh, I definitely used IMDb, IMDb this time. Uh, and we used 80skids.com. So, constant listener. That one is done by staff. staff. I mean, everybody knows that one. Uh, yardbarker.com. And that was an article by Chris Morgan. And of course, I haven't mentioned this in a few episodes. You can always find those links in the show notes, in the description of the show, wherever you podcast our show. So if you want to go check my work or go read some more stuff, those links are in there. Um, and of course, we are doing GoldenEye, the movie and the game. Well, not quite the game in this episode. Not quite. Um, Trav and I decided that uh, a three-hour and 15-minute podcast is not what you guys are looking for out there. So <laughs> we're going to release the game portion of this episode in either an appendix to this episode attached onto it, or most likely it's going to be on an off Monday. So yep. we're, we're, we've already talked about it a little bit. We think when GoldenEye comes out, we're going to release the video game episode the next Monday. So in between Should that. Should be able to do that. Yeah, in between that and what the next episode's going to be. And I'm not going to tell you what the next one's going to be because you're going to no. have to listen to the end <laughs> or seek all the way to the end and listen to it that way. Um, so, yes, we are only doing the movie in this podcast. And, and if that pisses you off, <laughs> email us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. If you wanted a three and a half hour podcast, <laughs> you let us know. And we probably won't ever do it, but we will respond to your email. We will respond to your email. Um, I've, I, as a person that can listen to a podcast all day for like six to seven hours a day, yeah. I don't even want a three hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, not the same thing. So. Certainly not GoldenEye. No, 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 definitely not. Uh, so, GoldenEye was released in 1995, and it was directed by Martin Campbell, starring Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, or 007, as you may know him as. <laughs> uh, did you know Liam Neeson turned down this role? I did not, but that's pretty sick. It is like, pretty sick. 1995, Liam Neeson? Like, please. Dude. Please. That would have been awesome, It, it would have been. Uh, it's kind of funny, though. His reasoning was he didn't want to be an action star. What? 
makes no sense. That's all the second half of his career has been is yeah. action movies. He's got a particular set of skills and he's going to use them on bad guys. Man, that is crazy. <laughs> Liam Neeson's is my shit. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, it's also starring Sean Bean, or as I like to call him, Scene Bean. Scene Bean. As Alec Trevelyan. Uh, so Alec Trevelyan, uh, the titular character, Alec Trevelyan, our main villain. Uh, Trevelyan is the last name of a very famous uh, movie critic in uh, Great Britain. Hmm. And he is very famous for A, his reviews, and B, hating James Bond. <laughs> so the writers used his name in this movie as the kind of like a, hey, we're using your name. You, yeah. know you hate us. You hate this? Well, you're the villain. <laughs> Isabella Skorupko. Skorupko. Yep, as Natalia Simonova. Uh, we got Famke Janssen as Xenia on a top. That, that <laughs> name, that name. Uh, we got Joe Don Baker as Jack Wade, Robbie Coltrane as Valentin Zorkowski, uh, Techke Kero as Dmitry Mishkin, uh, Gottfried John as General Akady Grigorovich Umarov, Alan Cummings as Boris Gorishtiko, uh, Michael Kitchen, that's just quite the name, Michael Kitchen, Kitchen. as Bill Tanner, <laughs> Serena <laughs> Gordon as Caroline, and Desmond Llewellyn as Q. Uh, Samantha Bond as Miss Moneypenny. So her name is Samantha Bond, and she was in a Bond movie. That's kind of cool. All right. Uh, Dame Judy Dench as M, and Minnie Driver, uh, Minnie Driver as Irina, and that was Zerkovsky's mis- mistress. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, and of course, GoldenEye was released November 13th, 1995, at its big premiere at Radio City Music Hall. Interestingly enough, uh, Pierce Brosnan, the reason why he did this is escaping me at this moment. Maybe it'll come to me later in the podcast. He brought, he, uh, uh, uh uh, protest, not protested. He boycotted. There's the word. Uh, boycotted the premiere. He wasn't there because he is a Greenpeace guy. Oh, it's almost there. We'll get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, nationwide in the United States, it was released on November seventeenth, nineteen ninety-five. Uh, quick, interesting fact about James Bond: uh, this was the first Bond movie to be released on DVD. So that night, wait, nice. great. <laughs> uh, Trav, do you want to talk about anything before we get to that breakdown? So, I've never seen this until now, of course, so this was a good homework assignment for me, and what I have seen a whole bunch is Austin Powers, and I can't help but notice how many things in Austin Powers are clearly pulling stuff from this movie specifically. It feels like the on a top. Yes. I've on a hump a lot from Austin Powers, the poker scene. I also like to live dangerously. All of this stuff. (laughs) I I wish they threw a shoe in this, but other than that, (laughs) I just couldn't couldn't believe how much Austin Powers stuff was in this movie. Uh, Yeah. And then while we're talking about that, we might as well talk about Cable Guy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. A, it's our most popular episode ever, yep. for whatever reason that is, <laughs> which I'm fine with. It's a I'm, great I'm movie. It's a great it. movie. There you go, Jesse. Most popular episode ever is Cable Guy, so thanks for the suggestion. Boom. Obviously, the end of Cable Guy was directly pulled from this movie. Yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost shot for shot. So. And before we get into it, I will say this movie has some of the most ridiculous crap I've seen in cinema. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> I know Bond movies are over the top. But they are holy crap it's almost like you could tell that they wanted to come back with a big bang since it had been six years since their last bond movie yeah 
and I suppose since we're talking about this now, uh, Roger Moore, who, oh no, yes, Roger Moore, who was in the last Bond before this, was actually slated to star in GoldenEye, but hmm. he waffled on whether or not he wanted to actually star in another James Bond movie. So that's the discrepancy, why there's six years basically in between these movies, because they were looking oh, for a okay. new Bond, they were trying to you know figure out what to do with all of this stuff. Sure. And then once production started, apparently Roger Moore was like, I'd love to star in your movie. And they're like, <laughs> it's way too late, dude. Yeah. <laughs> No way turning too late. back. Way dude. too late. No turning back. So too bad. So that's why you got yourself some Pierce Brosnan, and I love me some Pierce Brosnan. I do too. Like for real, Pierce Brosnan. And it's funny that even though I've never seen this, he's the only person I picture as James Bond. You know, he's the Bond of our youth because and, of Goldeneye. Yes, and when you say James Bond, the first person I think of is Pierce Brosnan. A close second is uh, Sean Connery, just because his name is synonymous with Bond being sure. the first Bond. But it's it, usually the image in my head is uh, Pierce Brosnan yeah. whenever I think of James Bond. Even after Daniel Craig had become Bond. You right, know? agreed. And I love those Bond movies. I do too, yeah. They're drastically different than right. these 90s Bonds. But this 90, 90, this 1995 Bond movie is drastically different than every other Bond movie that came before it. Right. You know, it really kind of brought itself into the modern age with this with this Pierce Brosnan Bond movie. Thank you, Pierce. Love you, buddy. <laughs> I know you're a listener. <laughs> we know you're listening. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this breakdown, Trav. So it's a like a classic Bond opening, right? So you get that uh, uh, that big action sequence right away at the beginning of the movie before we get the opening credits. Um, it's just some very great '90s style action, right? It's just uh, really, really fun to really, really fun to watch, and it really gets you in the mood for a spy thriller adventure type of thing. Yeah. Uh, so they did though make this movie impossibly dated, right? Because he bungee jumps at the beginning of the movie. What's more 90s than bungee jumping? Yeah. And you could consider probably bungee jumping a 90s fad. We talked about fads a while ago with that Ed, Ed and Eddie episode. And I think that's a good 90s fad right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, people still bungee jump. Right. But uh, the 90s popularized it because of extreme sports, dude. Dude. <laughs> there's a lot of problems I have with this movie, honestly. I mean, it's a movie that to me is so bad that it's good in uh, a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know. You and I have talked a little bit. Music's great. You know, action's pretty damn good with the hand-to-hand combat. Yep. But how in the first scene of the movie are you going to have someone who looks nothing like Pierce Brosnan running down this dam and then bungee <laughs> jump? I just don't get it. He was above running on screen. I, I don't... <laughs> The running part, I can't get over that there was like a stunt double right. to run on the dam. And even when they're in the back of his head, they couldn't just use him in the stand still. <laughs> and then when he actually bungee jumps, the one time I'm not expecting it to actually look like Pierce Brosnan, it doesn't. It looks like Ace Ventura. <laughs> he kind of <laughs> does, His hair is it? like puffed up in the front as he's going down. It's, and then you lead into the unrealisticness of the gun <laughs> that he shoots down yeah. and that just stops the bungee and he just casually goes to the bottom you it's... would have to time that shot so perfect so perfect i mean what do you have at the bottom i'm no bungee expert, <laughs> no <laughs> what, bungee what, expert. what do you have at the bottom of that after you've reached your maximum potential down <laughs> do you have a split second before you rebound You've certainly never practiced before. <laughs> There's no way you've been able to practice anything similar to this scenario. No, and that must be the strongest, like, you would, that little grappling hook <laughs> shot into that rock and completely stopped all the tension. Of the, the fully bungeed bungee, whatever you say. And then stretched it. it out even further. Even further. 
just slight, you know, <laughs> just slowly coming down to the bottom like Britney Spears after that. Like, no. No. Oh, man. That grappling hook would have no Stunt chance. Stunt double for running on the dam. I don't get so, it. So, I don't know this is why they use the stunt double, but I do know that Pierce Brosnan has a very strong fear of heights oh, and okay. basically refused to do anything that involved him being in a high place without a stunt double. That makes perfect sense. I, you mean you can't run down a 40-foot wide dam even though? Something. Give me a green screen of him Something. standing, pretending like he's over the dam. I don't know. You know Something. You mentioned green screen, and that's one thing about this movie that I really like is that they use practical effects as opposed to trying to use green screens and stuff like yeah. that. I really appreciated that about this movie. But to get back to that uh, bungee jumping, this is the that was the highest bungee jump from a structure in a movie ever. Jeez. Yeah. So that drop was over 722 feet. Holy crap. Yeah. The man who did that jump was Wayne Michaels, and he has a cameo as the black-haired tiger helicopter pilot that gets shot by on a top. Okay. So he, they're like, you're going to do this bungee jump? We'll put you in the movie. We'll put sure. you in the we'll movie. We'll kill you. Uh, you, too, can uh, attempt this famous leap, though. You just have to go to uh, the Contra Dam, also called the Versaska Dam in Switzerland. So you can go to Switzerland and you can attempt this jump also if you'd like to. Nice. So all you Swiss people out there, let me know how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So after he completes that bungee jump, we find out that Bond is back in the USSR. Yeah, back in the USSR. Uh, At the Archangel uh, Chemical Weapons Factory. Uh, The fact that it's in the USSR tips off to us that this is prior to 1989, most likely. Yep. Uh, he's cutting his way into the facility, dropping in on a Russian, Russian, Russian soldier <laughs> in the bathroom. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Why didn't he say, like, uh, pardon me for dropping in? Yeah, that would have been way better. Yeah, that's a that better line. Way better. I don't know. I, <laughs> uh, he knocks that dude out cold. Uh, all he wanted to do was take a dump, and he gets punched in the face. What a way to go out, you know. I was reading my Russian paper, punch. Yeah, he's like prairie dog and he's half done, <laughs> just punched. He probably completely released his bowels at that point and was just in Pierce Brosnan. And James Bond was like, oh, I got to get out of here. Yeah, this is he, terrible. He definitely pinched a loaf on that. Uh, so Bond is now uh, making his way undetected into the facility and he runs into 006 in a supply room. Uh, from the supply room, we see that the place is crawling with soldiers. Uh, 006 uh, spouts some stuff in Russian, as whatever he says, who knows. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bond answers with, I'm alone. And 006 steps out of the shadows. Aren't we all? You're late, 007. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, give him a break. He had to stop in the restroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you ready to save the world again? After you, 006. <laughs> and they remove the grate, presumably in the floor in the storage room, right before they, right below their feet, because there's no, I mean, I don't know. Because uh, it's go time, James, for England. For England, Alec. <laughs> <laughs> so 006, 007, they emerge from a grate in the floor uh, in a hallway, and they stealthily make their way into a larger room full of explosive canisters, because movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but not before Alec uh, kills some innocent scientists for fun. Yeah, yeah. Right? For fun. I was thinking of the game, how part of the mission is to have less casualties of the scientists but in the movie he just goes (laughs) in (laughs) (laughs) all right we're going a little different direction with the movie yeah so is that like his first hint to us at his like ruthless nature that's what i think i I mean after watching it so many times okay this is they're kind of giving it away here yeah so they make it into that room with the explosives and they lock the door uh with the same device that opened it uh and then the whole situation is given 007 the heebie-jeebies it's too easy half of everything is luck james and the other half 
bait. <laughs> <laughs> and then did Alec intentionally set off the alarm? It sure seems like it, it right? It seems like He's it. like messing around over there. And wow, wow. So yeah. I'm sure of it. I think he did for yeah. sure. Uh, well, it's time to send in the clowns while James sets the explosives with a six-minute timer. It's just one soldier after the next runs in there and just gets killed. Just instantly. gets annihilated. Just keep on sending in more soldiers. <laughs> yeah. Just keep sending them in. N- nobody draw <laughs> your guns. <laughs> keep them at your waist. <laughs> and, you know, Alec is basically standing in the middle of the room unprotected. Yeah. Just the whole, just, eh, I'm going to stand here. I'm good to go. <laughs> uh, so Colonel Omarov says that he wants uh, them to come out with their hands up. How original. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great line from Bond. Uh, one of the many times that the movie gets a little bit of a nod uh, to the audience. Uh, the door to the room gets blown open, letting more soldiers in. in. Shut the door, Alec. There's a draft. I mean, is that supposed to be code? Because it's not very covert if it's supposed <laughs> it's to be code. Definitely right? not very covert. Uh, so, But there's no answer from Alec, so that can't be good, right? And the room is kind of eerily quiet at that point. Yep. Uh, Bond definitely knows that there's something up. Um, he Bond sees that he's outnumbered, and Alec is on his knees with a gun pointed at his head. Um, Omarov uh, wants James to step out and throw his gun down. You have ten seconds. Uh, but Alec wants James to finish the job. Blow him all to hell. So Alec must know that James isn't going to do it. I think so. Right? Must know. He yeah. must know. Uh, Bond comes out with his hands up, uh, but not before uh, he's changed the timers from six minutes to three minutes because yeah. he figures, well, S is going to go down here. I better blow this stuff up. Yep. Uh, it doesn't really matter, though, because uh, Omarov just shoots Alec in the head, shoots him dead. <laughs> he's just like, five, four, three, two, one, for England, James! <laughs> <laughs> and blammo, Alec is dead. Uh, and then all the soldiers fire at Bond in a room full of explosives. Yeah. Like, highly explosive environment and they just all start firing like what come on zero they, training i mean they are russian uh, sorry uh, russians uh, <laughs> uh that probably should have been the end of the scene because everything should have blown up at that point right uh 006 is dead and james needs to get out of that room and fast so he kind of channels his inner looney tune at this point and hides behind a cart stacked with explosives um it's comic how the comical how the wheels are squeaky as he's moving it across the room (laughs) (laughs) you'll never get me And what's with that uh, soldier that ends up shooting at him? Anyways, like it's already you've already been told to stop. Yeah, no, everything's gonna blow up. What Seriously, are you doing? Uh, he definitely paid for it though with a bullet to the chest. So. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, it's laugh out funny for me though when Bond does just kind of looking around the corner of that cart, just starts moving <laughs> again. He's <laughs> like, "All right, I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> uh, you're not gonna do anything about this. Keep so. going." Uh, Bond makes it across the room. He escapes on a conveyor belt, but not before shooting open the cage, holding back hundreds of explosive canisters. <laughs> they just come flying out of there. Flying out of there. Launching out of there. insane. The most tightly packed situation ever. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, Bond makes it outside and is attempting to get on a plane that is conveniently taking off. Uh, <laughs> did you like how he somersaulted down that like chute? That was oh, really yeah. cool and kind of unnecessary. Definitely <laughs> unnecessary, but definitely cool. Uh, so he Bond makes it up to the plane. He kind of gets in there, and that pilot is not going to go down without a fight. He's mm-hmm. not going to give up that plane uh, uh, easily. Uh, both of them, Bond and the pilot, end up tumbling out of the plane, and uh, Bond ends up commandeering a motorcycle after he, since he had killed some soldiers already, yep. uh, and chases after the plane. That chases after the plane. Uh, Bond follows the plane over the edge of the cliff. In midair, he catches up, 
enters it and narrowly avoids being a smear at the bottom of the canyon. One, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really cool and kind of funny, too, how Omarov, he kind of just like smirks and like is just basically like, let him go. I want to see how this plays out. (laughs) I want to watch this. There ain't no way he gets in this thing. (laughs) And two, it doesn't look like when you see shots of Bond in the plane, it doesn't look like he is on a very steep descent. It just looks right. like he's sitting there shaking the yoke on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. And how the hell does he catch up to the plane? I don't know. I don't know. Because, <laughs> like, I get it. The plane the plane is not, like, falling straight down, and he can, like, increase his velocity, you know, to try to catch up to it. But yeah. then he ends up, like, floating next to it and matching the speed. It just, like, gently pulls himself in there. Come on. If he was really going to do that, a better representation of him getting in that plane would have him been, like, crashing into the inside of it, right? And maybe even being hurt a little yeah. bit or something like that. Exactly. And then having to get to the front or give me that dumb grappling gun you used already. Give me something because, yeah, just catching up speed wise and then grabbing the net and oh i'm just gonna gently put myself in this here and get up to the front i mean it is rather convenient that the only shot of we we really get of bond being outside of the plane is right after they go after the edge the next <laughs> yeah over the edge the next shot is him like getting into the plane right and so it's like okay well all, all right. right and how deep is that canyon Eight, ten, fifteen thousand feet. Pretty damn deep. Yeah, pretty damn deep. I was thinking the same thing. Ah, but that chemical plant finally explodes. I didn't time it. I wanted, I should have timed it to see if when he switched to three minutes, if If it was was actually actually three three minutes. minutes, It kind of feels like it might have been around three minutes. I think so. Probably longer, but movie magic and all. We'll we'll say it was three minutes. Um, And, you know, he does a flyby right by that explosion, probably flipping everybody off. (laughs) Uh, It gave me those strong, strong uh, uh, Top Gun vibes. Oh, definitely. I just wish he would have said something like, Tower, this is Ghost Rider requesting a flyby. (laughs) (laughs) And cue that traditional style. Stylized Bond opening. Awesome. Uh, complete with uh, so computer graphics were used for the first time in a Bond movie in this opening. So when Bond's looking down the barrel of the gun, that's CGI, and it's oh, the okay. first time it's ever been used in a Bond movie. I remember Entertainment Tonight. I know I've brought this up before, watching Entertainment Tonight as a kid, but it was always on in my house, and I remember watching Entertainment Tonight with them making a really big deal about this computer-generated gun barrel, and. It's so basic, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it just, I mean, high school kids can probably recreate that on their computers oh, definitely. now, but they probably took a team of 40 men, <laughs> yeah. 80 hours a week to get it completed, completed in 1995. Uh, so that opening, it's dramatic, it's artsy, and they say Goldeneye over and over and over and over. Yeah, we're talking over. about the song that's yes, insanely song. <laughs> long. <right? laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, overall, I think Tina Turner's performance is a good one. I enjoy listening to her sing. I think she's a good singer. I mean, she's got the hardest, was a good singer, R.I.P. Tina. Right, right. Uh, right. She had the hardest working legs in showbiz, so, I mean, I'll yeah, take it. Yeah. Um, and completely caught me out of left field when watching this movie for the first time probably in 10, 15, 20 years uh, and paying attention to who wrote that song. Bono and The Edge from U2 wrote yeah, that. so crazy. <laughs> So that title song, it did not chart in the U.S., but in the U.K., it went to number seven, which is neat. Uh, So The Edge, so this is why Bono and The Edge wrote this song. 
they lived next to Tina Turner in the south of France. What? How weird, right? That's super weird. Uh, so one day, the U2 members went over to Tina Turner's place. Uh, the Edge played the song on Turner's piano. And then Bono's inspiration for writing the song was his honeymoon stay with his wife and Ian Flemings, who is the original author of Bond, Ian Fleming, uh, in his Jamaican beach house named Goldeneye. Uh, so that's neat. That's where the movie kid name came from is uh, Ian Fleming's vacation house in Jamaica. Yeah. Uh, so uh, overall, what did you think of the opening? Love it? Hate it? I want to know what you thought of it. I don't love it. Don't love it. I don't okay. love it. What I like better is the movie menu. When you first pick the movie, it's sweet and it does like the GoldenEye game thing and then you initiate mission and then the little tiny snippet of that again before the movie starts. But when it gets into this Tina Turner, I, <laughs> I didn't even think it was super bad. And then when you and I talked about it and said it was kind of rough and then how long it is and just <laughs> golden. I just, uh, it was lace or leather. <laughs> golden. It's just, it's too much for me personally. I definitely fast forward it the last time I watched the movie. I sat through it every time I watched the movie. I'm like, I'm sitting through this. I'm getting the Bond experience, which I missed out on the menu because I watched this on Prime. I don't own oh, Double okay. I don't own GoldenEye, so I missed out on that. And yeah, now when, I want to buy it because yeah, I want the uh, menu. Jake suggested this. I bought the Pierce Brosnan collection. Nice, so, nice. So we got more if oh, we ever yeah. do more. Oh, yeah. So after that opening, we find out it's nine years later, and Bond is up to his old tricks, driving fast and seducing a lady. <laughs> <laughs> just Bond stuff, you know? Yeah, just Bond stuff. Um, he's driving an Aston Martin DB5. That's actually, Con it's not actually Sean Connery's car from the Bond, but it is the same car that he drove and that oh, most okay. Bonds have driven is that DB5. Sure. Uh, so his planned seduction is interrupted by a mysterious woman in a Ferrari. It's the yet-to-be-named Anatop. 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 Uh, James is not a quitter, and he enjoys a little racing, uh, much to Caroline's behest. That's the woman that he's with. Her name's Caroline, and she's there to uh, give him a psychological evaluation. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> she enjoys a spirited ride as much as the next girl, but uh, she asked, Who's that? The next go. Like, Jesus, man. You haven't even banged this one. <laughs> Bond stuff, man. Bond stuff. Uh, it's cool that they open up the movie with, like, kind of a faux car chase. I like that. It was very fun to watch. Yeah. I'll never turn down a car chase in a movie. It, I love that type of stuff. Definitely. Um, did it give you any National Lampoon's, like, vacation vibes? Have you seen National Lampoon's Vacation? Probably once long time ago. So... so he gets pulled up on and a woman in a Ferrari and they kind of do some racing and stuff and she's really hot. And I'm like, oh, it kind of reminds me of that. Sure. But, Which yeah. that is obviously before 95. Yes. 1979, but, I think, oh, was the cow. first one. I believe was the first one. So maybe it's a nod. Maybe. They kind of gave each other those same kind of looks. Yeah. Maybe it is a nod. Well, I'm going to say it is because I like that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you get a couple of close, close calls, one with uh, farm equipment. And uh, on a top spins for three days as she goes <laughs> up the road. Yeah. I counted it, and it was—I think it was five three sixty. She did. That's a lot of spins. That's a lot of spins. <laughs> <laughs> So nails actually had to be attached to the tires of that Ferrari for them to do the skidding in the car chase. Jeez. Uh, with uh, Bond's Aston Martin, uh, the Ferrari was a rental, and after colliding with 007's car in one of the shots, it had to be repaired overnight for the cost of $80,000. Yikes. <laughs> and then secondly, I enjoyed the bikes. Uh, 
ladies first. <laughs> and they all fall over. Because who doesn't <laughs> want to see a group of men in skin-tight clothing fall over and skin their knees, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? They're humiliated. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, she demands the car to be stopped. She's had enough. So Bond slams on the brakes, pulls the e-brake, and they skid to a stop in the middle of the road. In the middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> he pops open the champagne compartment and it's go time. <laughs> it's go time. Maybe knocking them boots. What am I going to do with you? Let's start with a very thorough evaluation. <laughs> All right, Bond stuff. <laughs> uh, later that night, Bond arrives at the casino alone. Uh, the Ferrari is there from earlier. Uh, Bond likes where this is going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he finds his mysterious woman in the Ferrari uh, and sits down at the table she's playing. It seems we share the same passions. Three, anyway. I count two. Motoring and Baccarat. <laughs> <laughs> Bond loses his hand at Baccarat. 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 <laughs> Couldn't sound any more Midwestern there. <laughs> uh, that they're playing. I hope the third... Oh, nope, she should be Russian, not she English. She should be Russian. I hope the third... I can't do a Russian <laughs> accent anymore. I hope the third is where your real talent lies. And she means sex, of course. Yeah. <laughs> what is the third thing that he is referencing? Is it sex? Because he says there's three. What's the three things? It's got to be. Because they've only been gambling. They've only been motoring. I mean, you what's You can the... tell she's very sexual. It, it must be sex. It's got to be. It must be sex. Oh, Bond. <laughs> so Bond loses that hand. Uh, and he gets uh, some credit from the house as they go double or nothing because he just looks at him and goes, double, double, double. And of course he wins. I mean, it's Bond. Of course uh, he wins. Obviously. obviously. Uh, there was absolutely nothing at stake for James, though. I mean, it's not his money. Right. It's the house's money. And even if he did lose, he's just going to be like, contact somebody in the British government because they're going to have to pay you. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I ain't got yeah. that money. <laughs> Anatop leaves the table. Bond follows her. Uh, and Bond buys her a drink. It's a martini, shaken, not stirred. Uh, she takes it straight up with a twist. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bond introduces himself. The name's Bond. James Bond. Okay, now we got those two things out of the way. He doesn't have to say that again. He doesn't have to order a martini. That's that's <laughs> taken and that's out of the way. Anatop introduces herself. And uh, Bond asks. Anatop? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I like to be on top. Get it? That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> so sex is the third thing. <laughs> sex is the third thing. Um, you know, on a top is, uh, it's definitely a Bond woman name, right? Like, that's yeah. the type of names you get at. All I had to say is at least it's not pussy galore. Like, that <laughs> yeah. is a legit person's name in a Bond movie, in the Bond movie Goldfinger. Oh, my God. Pussy galore? Pussy galore. That's her name, so I can keep saying it. Pussy galore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, alas, the hookup is not going to happen. She already has an admiral at her side from the Canadian military. Is is that even an admiral? I guess. <laughs> Canada, come on. I always liked a woman that knew how to pull rank. HJ, get it? <laughs> <laughs> On a top and her fetching new bow leave the casino. The pleasure, I'm sure, was all mine. <laughs> uh, next, we see Bond doing some reconnaissance. Reconnaissance. Uh, you know, doing spy stuff. Yeah. And a fun gadget, the cool little monocular, which is fun. I like that. It's cool. You see that stuff. It's fun to watch. I love mm -hmm. the gadgets. Uh, that monocular has got some zoom, though, to it because he gets the name off the vessel. It was already up at a, it was all the way up at a thousand times zoom. And the vessel says Manticore. <laughs> <laughs> so the Manticore that was seen in the movie in Monte Carlo, that's where they're actually at. 
Uh, it was actually named the Northern Cross. It's a $15 million yacht owned by Jorma Lillebacca. Uh, of the power machine company Finpower, whatever right. that is. So All it's right. a really, if you're wondering what that yacht actually was called, now you know. <clears throat> uh, back to the DB5, and Bond notices the helicopter on top of the battleship. Bond gets load gets the lowdown on all of the information that he has collected. Did you like how it started just printing out of that Pioneer CD player? Yeah. Um, at first, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then the second and third watch, you can see the paper already sticking out of it. So if it's <laughs> supposed to fool anybody, it's not going to fool anybody. No. Why is there paper in your CD player, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we find out that Anatop is associated with the Janus Crime Syndicate and is an ex-Soviet fighter pilot. There's some foreshadowing. Yeah. Soviet fighter. I don't like that it's called Janus and it's spelled J-Anus. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. J-Anus. J-Anus. Out of the Manticore. <laughs> yep. And we find out, too, that the Manticore is uh, leased by Janus. Uh, Bond has uh, has been authorized at this point to observe on a top, but he's not to make contact without prior approval. Oh, okay. Good night, James. I trust you'll stay on a top of things. Uh-huh. So she actually is. Is that enough to be like? Yeah, you can have sex with her because she just like referenced having sex with her. <laughs> yeah. So M's like, I'm giving you authorization now. I don't know why she even said without prior approval because it sounds like you're approving it. Right. Kinda, Whatever. Kind of went the other way on Kinda that. Kind of went the other way on that. Uh, on a tap and the Admiral's sexual liaison is awkward at best. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> she strangles him with her legs. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe that besides strangling. Yeah. Uh, pinched his midsection so he couldn't breathe, killed him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anything like I it don't in know. a movie. I don't know. Xenia, I can't breathe. <laughs> And so that admiral, he doesn't have arms because he didn't defend himself. Right. He has no arms. Right. Apparently, right? (laughs) That's kind of what I got out of it. How is he just paralyzed from this action? He's got no arms. No arms. No arms. So he's dead. He's dead. Sorry, admiral. What's your name? (laughs) (laughs) And his ID gets stolen. Who stole the ID? Uh, We never even see the person that's supposed to be disguised as him. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. We yeah, never... I don't either. Yeah, they just show him use the card or whatever. Is yeah. it Omarov? Umarov? Omarov? I don't know how to say that, apparently. I mean, probably. The two people have drastically different body types. Yeah. I, that's the only person I could even think of it, who it would be in my mind. I don't know who else it would be. It's got to be. It's got to be. Uh, the next day, and the Admiral, well, the faux Admiral, and Anatop leave to go to the warship across the harbor. Uh, perfect time for Bond to do some investigation aboard the yacht. Uh, Bond has to fend himself off a cabin boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he does it easily with a towel. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty sweet scene. I, I like the the only reason for the towel is so you can have the shot where he's looking all suave, mopping his brow with said towel. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Cabin Boy? Uh-uh. We should get to that movie someday. It's a terrible, terrible comedy starring... Can't remember. So, do you remember in Scary Movie, the comedy spoof that has the dude with the one little arm? Yeah. It stars him in Cabin Boy. No way. Yeah, it stars him in like it. Like the guy with the strong hand? Is that the hand? No, the little, the little tiny hands. Or little tiny hand. He's got the one little tiny Yeah, yeah. Hand. He's got one really crappy yeah. hand, but he says it's his strong oh, hand. Oh, yes, 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 well, yes. The hand's not strong. I wish enough. I could remember that guy's name. But he stars in a movie called Cabin Boy, and David Letterman has a cameo in that movie of oh, all geez. things. Yeah. yeah, that guy's really funny. Yeah, he's very funny. Let's do Cabin Boy sometime. I think we should do that. I watched that at a... 
had a sleepover one time, cabin boy, with that was probably 10, 11, 12, and it was very inappropriate for 10, 11, 12 year olds. I remember being like, I don't think I'm supposed to be watching this. <laughs> so over on, on over to that naval vessel, uh, Onatop and the fake admiral are in like Flynn. Uh, just as they're about to unveil that new helicopter. Convenient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back on the boat, Bond discovers the Admiral's body, and he has a smile on his face after he falls out of that uh, closet. So did he die What he did he die doing what he loved? I guess. Not breathing? Yeah. <laughs> Big fan of that. Big fan of that. Uh, Bond ditches the yacht for his little motorboat and rushes over to the military ship. Uh, he may not know exactly what's going on at this point, but he has a hunch, and he thinks that helicopter is definitely in jeopardy yeah uh they obviously want that helicopter for its uh sturdiness against uh emp attacks and everything else that's the only reason they kind of describe that in the shot uh bond uh doesn't make it there in time though so on a top steals it yeah uh what do you think the crowd thought in that instance they just watch this thing keep on flying away just yeah. keep on f- look hey what's going what's what's going yeah. on oh, that's, All right. i guess it's not coming back See you later. <laughs> and there's also no way that everybody aboard that ship did not hear the gunshots that on did under below deck yeah it would have just rung out through that gigantic metal Definitely. piece of equipment it, it, nobody nobody heard it Nope. Nobody heard it. <laughs> uh, now we go to the Space Weapons Control Center in Sarvenia, Russia. Uh, just a whole bunch of nerds doing nerdiness, right? Doing yeah. nerdy things. Yeah. Uh, Boris is kind of the worst. He sucks. He kind of does suck, and I'm sure that's intentional. Obviously, yeah. Uh, so uh, it's also kind of a case of the movie not holding up very well. The sexism in this movie just does not hold up. Yeah, it does. The whole weirdly sexually harassing your co-workers in the office. I understand that this is post-Soviet Russia and it's kind of like the wild, wild west at the time, but yeah. still yeah. to represent it in a movie is just a little bit weird, and it just does not uh, does not hold up for me. Definitely. Uh, but we do get the obligatory mid-'90s internet reference. Like, I'm going to upload that picture to the internet. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. It's 45 kilobytes, and it's going to take three days to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting, too, because most people in 1995 were on AOL. Yeah. So, yeah. like, a very pared down, like, not internet-y internet. Right, exactly. So The internet, if it was a movie from the mid-90s, you got to believe there's an internet reference in Obviously. it. <laughs> Uh, we hear beeping coming from Boris's computer, and he utters that amazing phrase that only a movie from 1995 could have in its script, unironically. Yeah. Yes, I'm in! I'm in! <laughs> Come on! Uh, everything about this sequence seems pretty suspect to me. I don't think that's how computer hacking works. No. I'm no hacker, but I'm pretty sure that's not how computer hacking works. Pretty sure. And what exactly is a spike besides a plot device in this case? Yeah, I don't get it. Email us. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what a spike is. (laughs) After defeating those slughead Americans, he screams for the first time, Bang! Gone! I am invincible! (laughs) Uh, Boris goes out for a smoke. Uh, so the director of this movie was staunchly against smoking. So that's why Bond does not smoke in this movie. And that's right. why you actually never see Boris light up that cigarette. Oh, okay. That's why his lighter gets blown out by the helicopter. Oh, sure. Interesting. Uh, that, that helicopter does arrive, like I said. And uh, Anatop and Umarov are there. Uh, Natalia, she's in the kitchen getting some coffee. Good thing she's in the kitchen. Yeah, lucky for her. <laughs> yes. Umarov, I'm saying, I'm going to say that about a million different ways in this podcast, I think. <laughs> Umarov, I got Umarov. Umarov wastes no time accessing and operating GoldenEye satellite. Uh, what's with that weird key card, right? They don't even talk about it once until yeah. later in the movie. Yeah. Is the gem with the key card also called GoldenEye? 
like in the vein of like the Hope Diamond. Like it's a gigantic right. rare gemstone of some kind named the Golden Eye Stone, you know? Yeah. They don't I don't know. I don't know. They don't talk about it. No. They tell way later in the movie and there's only a pla- passing. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> it unlocks the ability to control the GoldenEye satellite via lasers, which is just the weirdest thing I could see in a movie. I'm sure in 1995, you're like, yeah, that seems plausible. Lasers, computers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But now a laser accessing a computer shot, that just seems so weird. Like, Definitely. What type of information is in that laser to unlock this screen in the... What what is it's just a laser beam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so after Umarov gets the key card, Anatop kills all the nerds and the soldiers in the room, and she seems to really enjoy it. Oh, she loves it. Even Umarov is kind of like, ugh, lady. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> all right. Remind me never to get on your bad side. Yeah. Uh, so Janice has control over the operation of Goldeneye. And uh Cervenia is the new target. Eighteen minutes to target, to be exact. Only Natalia remains in the kitchen unkilled, and she drops her coffee. Anatop goes to check it out. Check it out. (laughs) So she sees a half-dead computer guy that managed to, Anatop does, to manage to hit that alarm, and she shoots him dead. She just blasts him. So anyways, I just started (laughs) blasting. Uh, It's cool, though, because the Russian military response time is 19 minutes at best, according to Umarov. At best. Uh, So Natalia frantically looking for somewhere to hide while she's in the kitchen. Uh, Anatop goes into the kitchen looking for the source of the sound. She bends down and tastes the coffee for whatever reason. Why would she do that? Don't get it. Don't get it. Oh, it's it's definitely coffee. Yeah, I don't even understand. <laughs> or it's the a- only thing I can imagine is you're trying to see if it's warm or not, maybe to see if it's like a fresh spill. But didn't she hear that, which is why she came to check it out anyway? Yeah. Mm, dirty coffee. <laughs> I don't. It makes zero sense why she would reach down and touch that. There's. No reason. <laughs> the only reason, I guess, would be so that when she's standing up, she'll look up so she can see the grate that is askew in the ceiling. Yeah. So that's that's like the only reason for her to look up. This tastes like it fell from the ceiling. <laughs> yep, that vent is messed up. That is exactly what happened. So she lights up that vent. She just starts firing at it. Just starts firing. Uh, Anatop meets back with Umarov, and uh, he has, uh, who has taken the key card with him at this point. And uh, she says, it's clean. I had to ventilate someone. <laughs> Great. Anatop and Umarov leave in the helicopter. Uh, the Russian jets are scrambling to get the Serenia. Uh, back with Bond at MI6, and he is uh, to be meeting with M. That is the actual MI6 headquarters in Great Britain huh. that you see that exterior shot. That's kind of neat. That's cool. Um, so he is. Uh, we see Bond next hitting on Man- Money Penny. Bond and stuff. Bond stuff. <laughs> uh, she calls him out on it though. Money Penny does, and uh, she says that sort of behavior could qualify as sexual harass- harassment. So. A nod to the audience again, I guess, to be like, yeah, we see what's happening here. So yeah. we'll just talk about it a little bit. That makes it okay, right? Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Ultimately, she is the girl that got away for James Bond, and she's not going to fall out, fall for his slick-talking ways. <laughs> uh, she is into him, but she's not going to settle for the womanizing. She's right, like, right. I'm waiting on you. Right, I'm right. waiting on you. 
Bond meets with Mr. Tanner. They never say his name, but that's his name, Mr. Tanner. Uh, the intelligence is, uh, they get their intelligence on what's happening in Cervania. Uh, the alarm, the helicopter, Bond's hunch was ultimately right, uh, but apparently M wouldn't let Bond go with his gut on this one. At least that's the vibe I get from the whole situation. Yeah. Unfortunately for Mr. Tanner, though, he was ripping his boss as she was walking into the room. That's never very good. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, if she wanted sarcasm, she would talk to her children. Is that a burn? I guess. Self-burn? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't know, kids. I don't get the reference. <laughs> Are your but... kids terrible to you? <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> <Yeah>. for that. <laughs> like, you're this intimidating to me, a grown man, but you don't know how to take control of your children <laughs> with their sarcasm. Okay, okay. Self-burn. Self-burn. <laughs> you're a shitty mom. All right, moving on. Uh, the briefing continues because the prime minister is waiting on a report. So after the alarm, the helicopter took off and the Russians scrambled jets. We know that. But why? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Their intelligence uh, once thought that the base was used for a secret weapon called Goldeneye, but the Russians didn't have the technology or the funding for such a project. Or so they thought. (laughs) Uh, Back in Cervinia, and Natalia is alive. She was hiding in the cupboard, not the ceiling. Uh, with seconds left on the countdown, Goldeneye detonates. Boy. Boy. <laughs> uh, causing the EMP wreaking havoc. Is that realistic? Would an EMP cause stuff to explode? I don't think so. I don't think so. And if it did, she is not surviving. No. Like she did. No. That was insane. It was very insane. Planes is, falling out yeah, of the sky. There's no time. She's got three seconds and she makes it far enough. To get away from the initial explosion where it just decided to be, and then she slides under a staircase of steps. Yeah. And then she's good. And then she's good. And then she's fine. Then she's fine. There's glass flying everywhere, yeah. explosions, fire, metal, shrapnel. No. Nope. She, she's like literally screaming and running from one side of the room to the other. That's like all <laughs> yeah. she's doing. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. I got nowhere to go. <laughs> But she survives. <laughs> Those explosion explosions never end. Uh, it's <laughs> they really never end. They don't. Uh, it's some really cool practical effects, though. I thought yeah. that was really really cool. Uh, the model work is very evident. Yes. Uh, yes. But that's okay. Uh, that fully loaded uh, fighter jet. So that jet is fully loaded with jet fuel yep. and explosives and ammunition rounds, and she survived through it ramming into the building. That seems very implausible, unless they're, like, miles below the earth. I mean, that jet would have exploded with such force. Seriously. Like, such force. It just... And the it, it does cause the the satellite dish to come down through the building so she can escape. Right. But if it's that short of a distance that she's, she would have been so dead. She gone. She would have been so dead. She is gone. So dead, but she survives. But she survives (laughs) to everyone's (laughs) surprise. She does climb out of that rubble, discovering the dog sled that we saw earlier. Because you remember that it was coming in when we first saw Cervania. Somebody was riding a dog sled in there. Yep. And they just left those poor puppies outside in a blizzard. Poor I know pups. they're I know they're huskies, but it seemed very cold out there. <laughs> One other thing that Natalia has, she's an experienced sledsman because she just jumped on that sled and went we, out there with those dogs. She yeah. knows exactly how to work that stuff, which isn't too implausible if she lives in like Siberian type of thing. Maybe she has those skills, but she is not dressed for the weather. No, no. <laughs> so we move back to MI6 and they witness the whole thing. 
their satellite got knocked out along with two of the Americans. There's a fair amount of America bashing in this movie, which is fine. Yeah. I, I think that's funny. Yeah. yeah. I like how they even lost one satellite, but the Americans lost two. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it turns out Goldeneye is real, and M has egg all over her face on this one. Yeah. Uh, we get a description of what Goldeneye actually is. It's a nuclear device detonated in the upper atmosphere to knock out all communications to act as like a preemptive strike type of thing. It seems... Uh, it seems very plausible that that type of weapon could potentially exist. Yeah. I don't understand if an EMP would necessarily affect ground things like hundreds of miles above the earth. I don't know how that works necessarily, but right. it's an interesting idea. And it seems fairly plausible and like it could be a real program that was scrapped at some point. I know the United States tested nuclear weapons in the upper atmosphere. Go check out some of those videos because it's a very cool look. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, Bond determines that there had to be an insider. You needed the access codes, right? So there has to be an insider. Right. Uh, they suspect the Giannis group, Giannis group, <laughs> however you want to say it. They say Giannis a lot or Giannis. They kind of goes back and forth. Uh, that's where we see a monitor uh, that we see a monitor that there is a survivor at the center in Sylvania. And it's Natalia. And she's going to be the key to unraveling this mystery. So behind closed doors now with Bond and M. Uh, Russia is saying, we find out at this point, that the accident was during routine training exercise. Uh, governments change, but the lies stay the same, <laughs> yeah. right? Em and Bond's relationship is contentious at the best, it seems like. Yep. Uh, she doesn't like, he doesn't like her, and she doesn't like him. Uh, Bond thinks she's a bean counter, to use her own words in this movie, and she thinks that he is a pig and a relic of the Cold War, which he kind of is. Kind of is. Kind of is. Uh, so... She says that she is willing to send Bond to his death, but she just doesn't take the decision lightly. That right. seems like a good boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> seems like a good boss. She's not going to do it on a whim. Uh, Bond also finds out that Umarov is involved, so now it's personal. Em <laughs> <laughs> reminds Bond that the mission is uh, not a way for him to fulfill his personal vendetta and avenging Alec. Uh, it's to find out who stole the golden eye. So go for it, Bond. <laughs> M does show some grace at the very end of the scene. She asks him to come back alive. So thanks, M. How sweet. Come back alive, Bond. <laughs> <laughs> we move over to St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg, Russia. Uh, so is the purpose of this scene to show that Umarov is facing pressure from the government? I'm assuming that's what it is. It's got to be. Uh, do they suspect him of being a double agent at this point? I would think so. It seems like the prior, or the uh, defense minister, Mishka, I think is what they call him, uh, so at least it's suspects something is up. Right. Uh, so he tries to resign. He takes like full responsibility for this whole incident. He tries to resign, but all those people at the table are like, no, 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 don't <laughs> resign. Uh, he did blame, uh, Umarov did blame, uh, Siberian separatists. And then it's revealed that there are two missing people from the site, Natalia and Boris. And Umarov was only aware of Boris. So you can see him getting a little bit flustered at this point. Right. He is ordered to go find those two. He already knows where Boris is, but he's got to go find Natalia. Uh, so we get some really, really fun gadget time with Q. These are always like my favorite parts of Bond movies. I yeah. love gadgets. It's cool. It's going to be fun to see what he is going to implement throughout the rest of the movie. Because yep. if you see it, there's a good chance he's going to use it later on. <laughs> right. And then when he does use it, it's like, oh, he's using uh, it. Yeah, he's using it. <laughs> it's a very obligatory James Bond scene. Uh, it's it, it ultimately gives us some comic relief. Right. It's been kind of stressful. It's been high tension. Let's have a little laugh here. Yep. Uh, plus, uh, 
Oh, plus you better bet that that grenade pen is going to come back into play at some time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the thing with the belt, too. It's only tested for one. It's only tested for one, Bond. Uh, the rocket cast is really fun, even though it looks terrible. It looks yeah. absolutely terrible. Right, right. Uh, and so is the dude in the phone booth when you watch it in the background and he gets all inflated in there. And then you see him being wheeled away later in the scene. Yeah. Uh, so, and you get to see his new car. I remember Bond driving a BMW as being a really, really big deal. It was the first time in a Bond film that 007 drives a German car. I'm assuming that driving a German car in the late 50s, early 60s on TV or on in a movie was probably not a good thing for American audiences. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people just got out of World War II, so right. <laughs> probably not a good thing. So providing the cars for the film initially cost BMW $3 million. Uh, but when you invest in one of the world's most famous franchises, it tends to pay off. Um, BMW made $240 million in advanced sales in 1995. Holy crap. 1995. This was the first Bond film in a three-movie deal to feature BMWs prominently. And that BMW, there's a reason why you never see any of its gadgets that they talk about deployed. Because that BMW was a pre-production prototype and the only one that existed for BMW. Jeez. So they're like, you can't ruin this thing. Right. It's the only one we got. Yeah, right. <laughs> so have fun with that. Uh, I loved the sandwich at the end. That's my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that back. <laughs> Uh, so we're back in St. Petersburg, Russia. <laughs> Natalia is there, is also there. And Bond meets with an American spy, Jack Wade, to start the first steps necessary meeting with Janice. Uh, for crying out loud, another stiff-ass Brit. Show me the rose. <laughs> it's a very weird but funny uh, bit. Like, he's got to show him a tattoo on his ass, basically. <laughs> yeah. And then Bond's just like, Muffy. Muffy. <laughs> <laughs> My third ex-wife. <laughs> Uh, also, why did Wade ask Bond if he does any gardening? It's such a weird one-off line. Hey, Bond, you doing any gardening? What? <laughs> yeah. What? So in the novelization of this book, Wade is an avid gardener. Okay. But they don't explore that in the movie whatsoever. Yeah. Let's he, just keep that line in there. And now that you know that, when you rewatch this movie, he points out a couple other things. Like he points out a tree in Cuba also. It's like, oh, it's that so-and-so tree. So I don't know why they're even trying to lean into that at all when they don't mention him being a gardener at all. Maybe they should have an establishing shot of him in America, like working in his garden. Right. And he gets a call from the U.S. government, you need to go meet with 007. Yeah. And that would make sense. Then that would make sense. No establishing shot, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it actually turns out that uh, Jack, Wade, doesn't know Jack about Janice. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's just that he's in. So they keep referring to the Giannis group as a he, which is confusing to me because it's not a he. But that's all that they know. So it turns out that Wade only knows that Giannis is involved with everything from every is involved with everything that a terrorist would be. Right. Like, Money laundering, guns, weapons, everything. I guess guns and weapons are the same thing. Uh, Jack can only get him close to Giannis by introducing him to Zerkowski. And Bond has had a run-in with this man before. He gave him a limp. <laughs> Probably not a good thing. Uh, the meeting should be interesting, to say the least. Uh, we see Natalia getting into contact with Boris via email. Cutting edge stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, she was obviously using government code words to kind of get into this computer room by herself to be able to do some covert stuff to be in a private area. 
Boris tells Natalia to trust no one and to meet her at the Church of Our Lady Smolensky. 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 Uh, trust no one, even Boris. <laughs> uh, Wade gets Boris, excuse me, Wade gets Bond to Zerkowski's. Let me get this straight, Jimmy. You shot him in the leg, you stole his car, you took his girl. And now you want Zerkowski to set you up with Janice? Yes. Are you going to appeal to his heart? No, his wallet. Well, that might work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Wade leaves Bond with some disturbing news. The last dude was chopped up and sent home in small boxes. <laughs> Make sure they send me first class. <laughs> Thanks, Bond. <laughs> uh, first class is 13 ounces or less. <laughs> but nice try, James. So at the Church of Our Lady Smolensky, however you say that, yep. uh, Boris is a traitor and Natalia is in hot water. Trust no one, right, Natalia? Yeah. Uh, we do see that uh, Anna Top is there, and she's ready to kill some people, I think. Um, at Zerkovsky's club, that's Mimi Driver singing, if you didn't uh, know that at all. Uh, Mimi Driver earned only $5,000 for her role as an inept singer who performs Stand By Your Man in Robbie Coltrane's club. That dude does not look like a Robbie Coltrane, does he? No. <laughs> um, the woman, it's uh, Mimi Driver is actually a mini driver. I keep saying mini. Mini Driver is actually an accomplished singer, so she is dubbed there by a terrible singer. Right. I don't know why you'd go through all that work. Why not just say, sing badly? Yeah. They dubbed her. Okay. All right. (laughs) And it's interesting, too, because it puts on the, when she's up there on the stage, they're all wearing cowboy garb and stuff, and it kind of gives you a window into the post-Soviet era in 1995 and how Russians were obsessed with Americans at that time. It's a very different story now in 2023. Right. It's just kind of an interesting take, a little bit of a window into what the post-Soviet era was. It was, when this movie was being filmed, it was four years after the Berlin, fall, after the Soviet Union uh, collapsed. Like, yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy to think. It's it's crazy to think that I was alive four years just for like before the Soviet Union collapsed, and that it's just weird to think about that because it seems like such a a distant like non thing in my life. Like right. how was that even a thing? You see it represented in TV and movies, especially TV and movies from this time period. Yeah, and it just makes you think like, oh yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. It's very very weird. Uh, it's really funny how Bond what Bond says about her singing though. Who's strangling the cat? And he's just like, strangling a cat? (laughs) (laughs) That's his mistress, Bondi. (laughs) And so Bond gets a gunshot between the legs for that one. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes, indeed. Uh, Bond needs a favor from Zarkovsky. And that's laughable for Zarkovsky. Bond shot him, for God's sake. He's he's literally laughing in Bond's face at this point. Uh, Zarkovsky, he complains about his injury. And then Bond quips that the skill was not killing him but missing him and allowing him to leave a uh, live out of professional courtesy <laughs> more gunshots from Zarkovsky which is very intense and Pierce Brosnan did saw a good bit of acting there with he looked very distressed and very scared for his life at that point yeah and then that last one pointed right at his junk I would that would get me to say anything that you needed yes, <laughs> to yes. get that to stop uh, Bond spills his plan to get Zarkovsky's attention and uh, if Zarkovsky helps Bond meet with Janice uh, Bond will get in exchange. Uh, Bond will in exchange orchestrate a double cross where Tchaikovsky gets paid, exchanging some explosives in a hearse. I don't really understand how this plan. It's just a like a bargaining chip to get Tchaikovsky to do something for him. I see. Yeah. That's it. Just seems like a weird like you do this, 
plan that you could potentially get busted for, and then you'll still help me? It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, I don't know. It seems, it seems weird to me. And uh, why should Zerkovsky do this? Because they stole a helicopter. And he's like, I have six helicopters. And Bond says, three that work. And he's like, okay, <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> uh, Bond does, though, say that they were, they were responsible for a nuclear explosion that killed innocent people. And that should get you to help some people out, I would think. Uh, well, what do you expect from a Cossack, a Lien's Cossack? And they're, it's such a weird little take in this movie, such a weird little twist that like they're Nazi, basically Nazi sympathizers. It's just, <laughs> it's just such a weird little take. It's, it's a real piece of history during World War II and they, sur- they surrendered to the British. The British double crossed them, sent them back to Russia and they were all killed. And now Alex pissed about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Zerkowski will tell Janice that Bond has been asking about the chopper. Uh, then it will look like Zerkowski is setting Bond up and Janice will owe him a favor, I guess. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Bond heads over to the Grand Hotel and he's having a little dip in the pool. And guess who's there? It's on a top. <laughs> on a top says, you don't need the gun. That depends on your definition of safe sex. (laughs) And then they fight. (laughs) She tries the old squeeze play on Bond, but she gets a burnt tushy and a body slam for her efforts. That uh, sitting on those, uh, that hot, whatever it was for that sauna, man, that would really, really hurt. Yeah. Uh, So Jansen, she insisted in this scene that Bronson really ram her into the walls for this. So like he's legitimately slamming her into the walls for this in this scene. Jeez. Uh, The walls were padded but apparently not quite well enough because she broke a rib while filming the scene. Jeez. And uh, apparently that rib injury would come back to haunt her in later movies throughout the rest of her life. That's insane. Yeah, that's too bad for her. That sounds painful and unfortunate. Yeah. (laughs) She asked me, officer. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Bond seemed a bit into it, though. He's like, yeah, I'm into this. This this was the third thing. (laughs) Yeah, see, this is the third thing we have in common. (laughs) Anatop was into it too definitely into it she was yes yes if uh, she probably would have had sex with him if he would have let it happen 100 percent, and then kill him but, <laughs> yeah. you know that's the way it goes with on uh it was really funny how that one dude just comes in there's like hey what's going on a oh, bucket to the face <laughs> yeah, you know, just a bucket, bucket to the face <laughs> yeah in the middle of all the craziness he's ready for that henchman <laughs> to come in smack <laughs> oh, okay Bond doing uh, Bond things. Bond does get the upper hand on on a top after body slamming her, which should have probably knocked her out cold. Probably. <laughs> he demands that she take him to Janice. Giannis. I, how do they say it in the movie? Do they say Janice or do they say Giannis? I forget, but it seems like it would be Giannis. Yeah, I feel like they say both, but maybe they don't. Email us. Email <laughs> us. You'd think that I would have that. I just watched this movie like five times in the span of like four days. Seriously, watched <laughs> it twice today, and I cannot answer that question. <laughs> Giannis. Giannis. It seems, I think they say Janice. Janice? Janice? Whatever. Jaundice? Jaundice? Do they, maybe, it's just, maybe it's just a big confusion, and they're just talking about a dude that has jaundice. He's just really yellow. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time. I just have jaundice. Leave me alone. <laughs> Uh, next, we get to go to that really cool Soviet monument graveyard. I like that scene. I like that shot. It was really cool to see like the statues of Lenin and stuff like that yeah. all in disarray. Uh, do you think something like that actually existed in Russia, post-Soviet Russia? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I feel like they would have disposed of that stuff as fast as possible Probably. if you're going to move away from that style of government. But yeah. I don't know. I'm no Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Ah, so Bond and Anatop are there in their car because she had on it. He had Anatop drive her there, and then he knocks her out. Seems a little bit unbefitting of a James Bond to hit a woman. Right. They don't show him actually doing it, but you see the judo chop yeah. right to the back of the neck. Seems unbefitting. But she would have killed him at the at the her first opportunity. So right. I get why he did it. Uh, Bond ventures into the maze-like resting place of the relics of a bygone era, and Alec is revealed to be Janice. Janice. Burnt face and all. Yep. James is very confused. Why? Why? (laughs) Uh, Because that place was whack, man. I hated (laughs) it. Yeah. (laughs) Alec got no respect, and the fact that he was a Cossack and was double-crossed by the British people. And then Bond's wondering how uh, he made it through the screening process. And Alec's like, well, you know, we were children when we were brought into this program, and they just assumed that I wouldn't remember, but... He remembers. <laughs> so his parents, he, re, he remembers his parents' murder-suicide. I'm assuming the murder-suicide was so that they weren't killed by the Brit or by the Soviets, right, before yeah. they got sent back. So He remembers his parents' murder-suicide when he was a child, and I believe that. That seems scarring. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so he did remember, and he's been on a path of vengeance ever since he joined MI6. That seems the most plausible thing right yeah. there. Uh, plus he blames Bond for his disfiguration. It wasn't God that gave me this face. It was you. So it was the timer set for three instead of six minutes. Am I supposed to feel sorry for you? No, you're supposed to die for me. Closing time, James. Last call. And it's a dart to the neck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was easy. I don't yeah. feel like Bond should go down that easy. No. But he did. And then you get Natalia. Wake up! <laughs> Uh, Natalia and Bond are tied up in the helicopter with missiles preparing to launch. So with no hands to use, Bond just starts smashing his face on stuff. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I'm sure with his training, he has a vague idea of what these buttons are supposed to do. I mean, he starts the helicopter, but man, he's just smashing his face into stuff. Just smashing it. Yeah. (laughs) And that's okay, because it leads into another insanely unplausible, (laughs) not realistic situation. Those missiles launch, and they turn around and come right back at the helicopter, and Bond's smashes his face on the eject button just in time to escape the explosion. The things we do for frequent frequent flyer mileage. It's a good Bond line after something like that, but uh, they would have been seriously injured after that ejection. Yeah. Because you have to be very high in the air for parachutes to have any effect. Yeah. <laughs> Not, there's just no way. There's just no way. And, I mean, no wasn't way. the propeller just going? I mean, it wasn't going yeah. fast, but it was going. And somehow, perfect timing. Yeah. They launched through the propeller high enough for those parachutes to do any good. So don't quote me on this. And they didn't show it in the movie, but I'm pretty sure when a pilot ejects from a helicopter... The blades also eject off of the main oh. rotor. We don't see it in the movie. That would have been worth showing. Yeah. You know, we don't see it in the movie, but I think that's how it works in sure. real life. I mean, that makes sense. But still, the, the blades. The fact that they don't show it is like, they needed. They needed to show that. They needed to show that. Uh, what does Bond get for his heroics and saving their lives? Natalia kicks him right in the peen. Right in the peen. <laughs> and he's like, oh, come on, lady. 
(laughs) (laughs) And then they are quickly captured by the Russian military. They get taken back to St. Petersburg Square, and they are in a load of shit. That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, Bond pleads with Natalia to get her help. He's just like, tell me anything, please. I'm going to try to save your life. Please tell me anything. My head hurts. You kicked me in the (laughs) peen. I'm trying to help you. Trying to help you, lady. I know the history of Russia and us is not great, but... We're going to die. She is very reluctant. She says she knows nothing what he's talking about, uh, but her watch is frozen at the exact time of the golden eye blast. So he's like, come on, tell me. You were there. I know you were there. (laughs) So she spills the beans. Who is the traitor? Is Boris. KGB military? No, computer programmer. They're going to kill me, aren't they? Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, they're going to try to kill you, both of you. Yeah. <laughs> and enter the Secretary of Defense, the Russian Secretary of Defense, not the one from America. <laughs> be funny if it was. Yeah. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> hey, y'all. <laughs> he just puts his gun on the table immediately. He's very serious. He's he's very serious. Oh, yeah. Uh, Natalia immediately outs Omarov. Immediately. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you could have told Bond that to begin with. But he's like, eh, Omarov did it. Omarov did it. Yeah. <laughs> he's the one that ordered the strike. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, the defense uh, minister, I said he was very serious, but he's not as serious as Umarov at this yeah, point. Right. Uh, he just basically starts blasting. <laughs> he's yep. just like, and you're dead, and you're dead, and you're dead. Uh, and he uh, plans to frame Bond. He's like, see, I'm gonna, I used your gun. I'm going to unload it and give you your gun back because, you know, I'm a good guy. I understand professional courtesy. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you're going to get blamed for this. Uh, Bond gets the jump on him, throws that chair at his legs, knocks him over, and they start their escape. Uh, they make their escape through the archive. Lots and lots of fun in this scene. Yep. E- even though there's giant plot holes in it, giant m- weird stuff in it, I think this is potentially my favorite scene, especially leading into the tank. Like I find this the most exciting part of the movie for me. Yeah. And the movie needs it at this point because Agreed. we're about halfway through and it really needs some like high stress to get us back in that bond mode. Yeah. Um, so the ton of gunplay in it, I appreciate. Just start firing. Everybody's firing everywhere. Uh, so that archive breakout scene took approximately two weeks to shoot. Uh, 500 blanks were used, uh, were fired during the time. And much of the cast and crew wore earplugs or headphones due to the sound it created when shooting indoors, yeah. since all the weapons were actual weapons. Right. So all of those people are just firing blanks <laughs> <laughs> for days on end for two weeks. <laughs> no blood in the scene. No. None, 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 none. Uh, we get a little bit of tank foreshadowing. He spots it out the window. Oh, yeah. yeah I like to see that I tank. I like that yeah. tank. Yeah, that looks nice. And metal grates are bulletproof. They're bulletproof. You know, I understand that shooting a bullet through any object has a very high chance of it sending it in a different direction. Right. But they were literally directly below them. Directly. Bullets were exploding stuff in front of them. Yeah. And behind them. Yeah. So it's going through. Some of them are at least. Some of them are. Yeah, that just leads to... (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the instances of just insane... Yeah. Inaccuracy or yes. something. I don't understand it. But yeah, it, it makes it funny. Yes. That they're just running down this metal grate and surviving. Yes. And then they'll stop and hide behind a bookshelf. <laughs> like, you know, the floor is a grate, right? So that's not doing too much for you. But apparently it is bulletproof, like you say. So, so Bond's face in all of the action scenes is like a Pierce Brosnan's face, I should say. 
because he's the one doing the acting. <laughs> I should uh, he his face is it gives me he's displaying like a really legitimate face of how it would be if he was in that situation as Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> and it seems a little bit weird because he's got this sour face. His eyes are almost closed. But by the time I had watched this movie a few times, I'm like, I appreciate that face. It's like a legit, realistic reaction to having bullets shot at you from directly below you. I yeah, don't care yeah. if you're James Bond or guy down the street. Yeah. You're going to make that face. Definitely. <laughs> you're going to make that face. <laughs> uh, Natalia, she falls through the floor and is captured. I don't know. She yeah. just she just like crumbles to the side and stops following Bond and then falls through the floor. It's just is weird to me. She had to get captured for the movie, so there you go. She got captured. Yep, yep. <laughs> Bond uses his belt to swing and escape, leaving Natalia behind. Why reference earlier in the movie that it's only rated for one if you're not going to try to swing two people on it? Yeah, come on. I mean, that's the only reason to say it's only for one. And but that's just another part I can't handle, how it's perfectly long enough for him to swing from one side to the other without dipping down yeah. and he's able to kick the dude in the chest yep. on the other side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. And when he goes crashing through that glass, he probably would have been cut terribly. At least a little <laughs> a bit. A little bit. No blood though. No blood though. No blood. The one thing that I thought about when he does crash through that window and land on top of what I'm assuming is a truck of some kind. Uh, I thought of the stuntman, and I noticed that like a lot of the debris like was underneath him while he was landing. And I thought to myself, one wrong like move with that debris, and it lands straight up, and that dude's impaling himself on some wood. At yeah, least. seriously, I, the glass is fake; it's a movie. But there was plenty of pieces of wood underneath him that would have seriously hurt him. That's right. All I thought, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> That's why they're stuntmen, and I am not a stuntman. <laughs> so Bond escapes. He is basically cornered out there, and Natalia and Omarov they leave in a car, and uh, the military, the Russian military, swarm in to trap Bond. So get in a tank, yeah, <laughs> duh, right? And then we get the best part of the movie: the tank chase. One hundred percent. There's I'm, no denying it. There is no denying it. I'm glad that you agree, and I would assume everyone who watches this agrees. How can you not? I mean. The first time I watched it and the last time, every time, it's just, this is clearly yep. the best part. Like you said, I love a good chase scene, yep. a good car chase scene. I've never seen a tank no. chase scene ever, and it's amazing. It is very it's amazing. super hilarious yes. and just nonstop barreling through everything yep. the whole time. I love it. Plus that the initial shot when he comes through that wall in the tank is got to be one of the more iconic shots from the 90s in film. Yeah. Because when I saw that, I was like all this like promotional material stuff in my brain. I'm like, oh, my God, I've seen that a billion times. Like when he crashes through the carrier water or uh, whatever it at is at the very start of the oh. chase when he crashes through that wall oh but same right, thing right, with right. the perrier water thing that's something else that i've seen a million times yep. used in many different types of things and i'm no tank expert but do tanks go that fast no they go like 30 to 40 miles an hour like max okay i don't so know that what car that... is getting out of there easy <laughs> very until easily. there's congestion and traffic or something i didn't know if that was a question for jake or not but <laughs> Yeah, there's no way that tank is that fast. No, I don't think so. I mean, maybe modern tanks go faster than that, but I'm pretty sure they only go like 30 to 40 miles an Unless hour. Bond is driving. Yeah, he's got special Bond skills. Yeah, Makes yeah. it go faster. Got the key that, card. You know, that, that chase actually took approximately four weeks to film. Holy and crap. was shot in a studio lot in Great Britain. It was oh, not no. actually in Russia like most of the rest of the stuff was shot sure. in. Sure. 
Um, it is lovely. It is just lovely. Oh, yeah. I just I love that chase so much. Best part. The way it explodes out of that wall, like we said. Uh, uh, and then Omarov drinking the whole time. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I gotta, I gotta he knows his life could be over any second, basically. And probably paying, playing to the stereotype of Russians being drunks. But, right, right. You know, that's the way it goes. He's no a bad guy. for the wicked. <laughs> uh, Bond, he's just running over everything in sight because what else do you do with a tank? Obviously. You purposely run over shit. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. not dodging Go anything in a tank. Go out of your way. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, he power slides the tank, which I will, I will always <laughs> love. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> a little drift action. A little. Yeah. Busting through bu- buildings. It is a tank. Uh, he does look Pierce Brosnan and Bond, but Pierce Brosnan looks really good driving a tank. Yeah, he does. I was like, dang, dude, you look awesome in that thing. I yeah. love you in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Pierre, the Perrier smash, like we said, that was actually 90,000 cans of Perrier water were used in that collision. Jeez. 90,000 cans. They seemed empty. I would hope so. They seemed the way they were bouncing around and there was no water anywhere. Right, so, right. They seemed empty. So it was cans, but I don't think it was cans of water. But there were right. Perrier cans, but saying cans of water, I don't think that's the right way to say it. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the comical statue of the soldier riding the Pegasus on top. It's yeah. just a really good bow on the whole scene, the way right. it gets trapped and then flattens those cops. I, I really like that a lot. Um, so we next get the reveal of the ghost train. <laughs> uh, looks very cool, right? Yeah. Um, I wish it was longer, not Definitely. just like two and a half cars. I wish it was like 25 cars. It right. just looked really badass and like omin- ominous more than it already does. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Snowpiercer? Uh, with Captain America? Yeah. No, I have not. You should. It's very, very good. But that gave me that those vibes. Oh, sure. They're very much so. Uh, the train disembarks, because that's what a train does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in the dining car with Alec and Natalia and Omarov. Where's Bond? He escaped. Good for Bond. Bad for you. What a great line. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a great line. I love that line. Uh, line. Lined? I love that line. I love that line. <laughs> I meant line, people. Uh, so now that Alec has Natalia, uh, what's the first thing he's going to do? He's going to turn to rape Turns immediately. Turns to rape. Immediately. It's very intense. I'm really glad that rape scenes or like the idea of rape being committed is portrayed a lot less in film Defin- now. Definitely. Like you have to be a really bad guy. Yeah. And I understand Alec is a really bad guy. Right. But but to this point, he hasn't seemingly been that bad. Not rapey, you know? at least. right? No rapey vibes. <laughs> she like literally just got there. Literally <laughs> just got there, and he's licking her face off, and yeah. then he just aggressively holds her in place to kiss her. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, he and James they shared everything. We share everything. Absolutely everything. <laughs> to the victor go the spoils. Just some terrible, gross lines. Yucky. Did you notice all the makeup over his, all over his face after he like, he had tons of makeup on his face yeah. after that smooch. And then he looks away and if you pay really close attention, I'm pretty sure he re- after he she slaps him, he reaches up and wipes his face. Really? So I think it's something that like, you got a lot of makeup on your face. You're going to have to do something about yeah, that. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he reaches up because when he looks back, the makeup is mostly gone. Sure. Hmm. Something you wouldn't notice on a VHS, but you will notice watching in 1080p. Right. Uh, oh. Bond manages to get ahead of the train after it's disembarked already. And the tank, I, I I assumed at this point, maybe giving him the benefit of the doubt, 40 to 50 miles an hour. But 
that's just it's, super. It seems so fast. It seems again. I don't know for I, sure. I don't think he can get the. I don't think he can get the tank there in time. No, I don't think he can. But he does. He does. He does. Yeah. So he parks it in front of the train in a bid to derail it. So uh, Alec wants him. Uh, he just radios ahead and just says, ram it. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? The the train derails. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the flaming train headed into the tank, though, is really cool after Bond shoots it. I like that. Why not just fire a couple more shells at it? Yeah. Whatever. It was really cool. It derails. All over the place. Uh, Bond gets on the train, and he gets the drop on Alec. He steps on that gun. Yeah. Uh, Why can't you just be a good boy and die? You first. You second. I like that, how he's like, I'm killing you too, on a top. You're dead to me. You're done. Uh, Alec has the upper hand, though. Bond is outnumbered, and there's no backup on the way. Plus, Bond's only weakness, the girl. Natalia. (laughs) Yeah. Umarov brings her in, and uh, Natalia and Umarov, they enter the train car, and Natalia has a gun to her head. There's a lot of guns being pointed at people's heads in this movie. Yes. Uh, so Alec and James are back where they started. It's your friend or the mission. So drop the gun, and Alec is going to let her live. Yeah. So trying to flip the script, Bond reveals to Umarov that Alec is a Cossack. He'll betray you. Uh, and this is news to Omarov, and he kind of looks like, oh, my God, he will? <laughs> ah, I didn't know he was a Cossack. He's not very happy about that. No. Uh, but they're going to have, uh, Alex says, they're going to have more money than God when this is all done, so don't even worry about it, buddy. Yeah, Seems yeah, yeah. to work for now. Uh, so what's the choice, James? Two targets at the same time. You got enough time for one shot. The girl or the mission? Killer. She means nothing to me. See you in hell, James. And then Alec nods at Umarov to kill Natalia. Bond spins to shoot Umarov and Alec, along with Amatop, Anatop, escape while Umarov is killed, right? He died? Yeah. yeah. We he's, never see him again? Yeah. He's dead. He's gotta be. Seems like an unceremonious end for somebody that was a very large part of the movie. A huge part of the Just movie. Just show him laying dead in the train car. Give me something. Give me something, please. Or like, oh, I'm dead. He should have said that. That would have been good. Uh, but Bond and Natalia, they are trapped in the train car with no immediate escape because all that armor plating stuff went down when uh, Anatop and Alec left. It's one inch armor plating to be exact. And, uh, Natalia is a little bit miffed that Bond hasn't said anything to her. And she's like, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. I'm fine. Thank you very (laughs) much. (laughs) She should be pissed about that. Definitely. (laughs) But thank the stars. There's an internet connected computer in that train car. (laughs) Yes. It's 1995. There were no internet connected computers in a train. No. No. Period. Period. No Wi-Fi. He's got a, he's got like a 3,000 mile long phone co- uh, cable going to the The train. first ever hotspot is on the train. <laughs> They're pulling from it. <laughs> they should have showed her like logging on with a 14 came. <laughs> uh, and thankfully also Boris is online backing up his files. So just uh, that's great. Things are working out. So Natalia's going to spike him so they can get out of there. Don't just stand there. Get us out of here. Yes, sir. That's a great. That's not the last time Bond calls Natalia, sir. <laughs> uh, Bond starts tearing at the floor, and we hear from Alec. Good luck with the floor, James. I set the timers for six minutes, the same six minutes you gave me. <laughs> great job. Uh, so three minutes. That's what he means. That's what he, that's what he means. Right. <laughs> Uh, Natalia sends the spike by using Boris's password, and while Bond lasers open the bottom of the train with his watch, 
Uh, what's another What's another name for your butt? What? <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you sit on this, but you can't take it with you. Chair. I, I love how he does oh. in the movie. He's confused, and then she gives a tiny little explanation. Chair. He's like almost answering before she finishes, yeah. too, which is great. But you didn't come up with that? You weren't even done with the riddle, and I knew it was chair. It's chair, you idiot. Come on. <laughs> By this time, they have only 20 seconds left. Uh, country to country, watch on the screen, on the computer screen, as that little red streak uh, moves across the computer. Uh, he's in Cuba. No, Havana. No, we have to go now. Come on, <laughs> we got to get out of here. They make it out. The train explodes. Do you destroy every vehicle you get into? Standard operating procedure. Boys with toys. <laughs> uh, maybe she should arrange the transportation from now on. And then they bang. And then they bang. Right there, out in the middle of the open. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other operating procedures I should know? Thousands. But I only pay them lip service. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we flash over to the Caribbean with Natalia and Bond and Wade. Uh, it's a cool stunt in the plane, how it comes landing right above the BMW. Right. I'm sure this, the, there's a little bit of movie magic there with the way the shot is, because yeah. there's no way it was actually Definitely. that close, but it looked very close. I like how they get notified one millisecond before <laughs> the plane lands down that it's that close. She's in genuine shock. You know, he's like, he was expecting it somehow, but yeah, it doesn't beep until, holy crap, <laughs> there's a plane crashing into us. Jesus, do you know this guy? Uh, Wade is there helping them get into Cuba in a strictly unofficial capacity, uh, including delivering the explosive that explosives that Bond is going to need to take out the satellite dish. Uh, Wade says that there is no dish uh, that they're looking for. He says it does not exist. If it did, the good old US of A would know. Well, you're you're wrong. You're way wrong, <laughs> dude. This thing is huge. <laughs> <laughs> Very large. Uh, Wade has faith in Bond, but Alec knows he's coming. He Wade says, you know, Alec is, uh, he knows you're coming, dude. So, I mean... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It's not really playing in your favor. I think it's really funny, too, after Bond like is like, hey, be nice to the BMW, please. And he's like, I'm just going to go, uh, you know, uh, banging around a little bit. He's like, yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Like, just peeling out of there. Uh, next, we see Bond on the beach staring out to sea, reflecting on his friend Alec and the situation that he's in. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he's going to have to kill him. Yeah. Uh, he was your friend, he was your friend, and now he's your enemy. You have to kill him. It is as simple as that. In a word, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's really depressed about this, because he doesn't know Alec's a total douche. Well, right. he knows Alec is a total douche, right. but he's still like, oh, come on, man. Like, he doesn't want to believe it. Uh, I don't want to believe this. No. Uh, he's very uh, complicated. Bond is very complicated. Yeah. He's very deep, very dark. Very deep. <laughs> and Natalia has obviously fallen for him. Obviously. So they bang again. Yeah. That's at least a three count, right? Well, no, there's a two count. We're on a two count, two count. We're on the double. <laughs> We're on the double. Um, so he's gotten laid at least three times in this movie already? Yeah. Man, way to go, dude. <laughs> could have had more if he was willing to, you know, die in the process. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, could have had one more. Yeah, he could have had one more. <laughs> probably not worth it. <laughs> probably, probably not worth it, but... So after their lovemaking session, Natalia asked James if he really meant what he said on the train, uh, that she meant nothing to him. Did you really mean it? Yes. You always have to call their bluff. 
her reaction is a little bit weird because he delivers that genuinely and she's just like, oh my God, you're so silly. <laughs> silly good. <laughs> I'm going to fake smother you with my pillow because I'm being <laughs> playful. <laughs> <laughs> so he was ready to let her die, but no, he whispers no at the last second. So it's okay. It's okay. Then. And then they bang again. And then they bang again. The trifecta. The trifecta. There it is. Uh, the next day, Bond and Natalia are in their plane looking for the satellite dish. So that satellite dish is the Arecibo Radio Telescope. We've talked about that before in this podcast. Yep. Uh, appeared in contact, and then uh, it took about 10 minutes for the crew to walk along the walkway from the periphery to the center of the dish. Seems like a really long time to get to the center. Yeah. 10 minutes. We're going to talk about that uh, in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so they're having very little luck locating this dish. But then watch out. Missiles. Missiles. <laughs> And they get shot out of the sky, uh, and they crash land onto the water, which was beneficial to them, because if they would have crashed straight into the jungle, definitely the end of them. Right. Uh, Natalia does seem dead. Yeah, she, she does. She seems very dead. Yeah. And he's alive enough to see if she is dead, and then he passes up. Yeah, I mean, put a finger to the neck to see if the shaker... Something. I even looked to see if her chest was rising, and yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. So was she maybe supposed to be presented as dead at some cut or some... Yeah, I don't know. maybe they should have done some check and then he could have been relieved and then passed out out of exhaustion or his injuries. Yeah, he probably has a serious concussion. And then I was later <laughs> late. Maybe there's a helicopter. Watch out. It's on a top to finish the job. She's kicking Bond's ass. That's for sure. This time, Mr. Bond, the pleasure will be mine. <laughs> she initiates her thigh squeeze of death. I love how he watches her. Coming down from the chopper. Oh, is that a whole guy? Yeah, that's her. <laughs> yep. Okay. She's getting really close, really fast, and then just takes it. Takes I mean, it. He, he could have moved three feet, right. and she couldn't have kicked him on the way down. And she's not like slowly repelling down that no. line. She's full sliding it down. Full slide. Then a double foot kick straight to the chest. Yeah. Man, that would have been painful. Yeah. And then she gives him a couple <laughs> little courtesy kicks on the ground. Still. Yeah. And then holds him suspended by her thighs suffocating him and once again he at least has arms but barely uses them. yeah <laughs> thankfully natalia's there to the rescue she distracts on a top and bond grabs the machine gun and attaches natalia or attaches on a top back to the rope that she uh, repelled down yep. and he lights up that chopper killing the pilot sending the chopper into a tailspin tailspin and that brings on a top uh, up into the air, pulls her into the air, and her body getting wedged in that tree. I fully expected her body to explode into a fine mist. 100%. Just kind of like, poof. Yeah. <laughs> I don't exist anymore. Something. Crumple into a broken ball of bones and flesh. Right. Something. But nope. She just stops at the tree, and then the chopper seemingly falls. Yeah, but it kind of crashes out of the sky, and uh, on a top is dead. And then Bond gives one of the better lines of the movie. She always did enjoy a good squeeze. Yeah, great. <laughs> good job, Bond. Uh, so now we are within the depths of the Cuban facility. Uh, is the satellite in range? Six minutes. Prepare the dish. No, it's too early. I'm not ready. Do it! <laughs> uh, Boris is cruising for a bruising. I don't know why he would give a man that's got a severe bloodlust for the world yeah. like any guff. Seriously. <laughs> Uh, the dish emerges from the lagoon. It's very cool, right? Yes. Very, very cool. Very cool. You notice that the water's moving backwards, though, right? When it's drowning, or yeah. draining. Yeah. 
so I get that there's no real feasible way to do that shot without a massive computer in 1995. Right, right. But once you realize that the water is moving backwards, you just can't unsee it. Yeah, definitely. And it's so blatantly obvious at the end because the water wouldn't be splashing up as it's finally draining from the dish, you know? Right, right. That's okay. They did what they needed to do. I wish it was the real thing. I wish they would have really submerge the Arecibo telescope. <laughs> that seems implausible. <laughs> Just do it. Uh, so now it's time to activate GoldenEye with the world's greatest cash card. Yep. There it is. That's the only description we get of that thing. Yep. It had better not be rejected. Why would it be rejected? This yeah. is for this thing. It's made to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that maybe Alec saying, Boris, I think you might be a double agent? But still. Could be. Could be. That seems like a stretch. Yeah. That seems like a stretch. Uh, The satellite is online now, and Alec gets the evidence that Bond is there and actively infiltrating the facility. The man can't, the man just can't take a hint. Kill him. Coordinates. (laughs) The target is London. (laughs) That's that's quite the target. I get why he's doing London, but it feels like this movie should have been like L.A. or New York. I get why he's doing London. Uh, We see a massive cog and chain that moves the satellite dish into position. I understand that that's how that satellite dish would probably move its transmitter type of thing. But... Moving that satellite in that manner, I feel like would have no effect on its ability to communicate with the GoldenEye satellite. I agree. It's still pointing directly up. Right. Directly up. I'm not a, I'm no satellite guy, <laughs> yeah. but that just seems weird that that's the mechanism they use to try to dial in this satellite. Yeah. I don't know. Email us if you know how that works, because I really want to know how that works. Seriously. Uh, with the antenna spinning, Bond and Natalia are forced to slide uncontrollably to the bottom uh, of that dish, nearly falling to their death after getting shot at from across the dish. Another, across from it. another one of the hundred issues I have with this movie. Her shirt is starting to come up as soon as she falls, and then she makes it all the way to the bottom without that shirt coming. I'm not saying, show me our boobies. I'm just saying she should be hurt badly by the time she slides down to that. And, you know, he's fully, he's got all his clothes on, so he's not the same situation, but give me some sort of rug burn, knee burn, elbow burn, something. A little crazy that they slide from the top to it the is, bottom. It is, it is. And then just, boop, he stops with his feet and <laughs> he, grabs her. <laughs> I am going to say, show me those boobies, so. <laughs> show me their boobies. <laughs> show me her boobies and I'll hike them too. <laughs> Uh, it's a good thing though that they ended up sliding down there because it's their entrance into the into the. Yeah, I mean, it's necessary. It's necessary. It's very, very necessary. They spot that hatch and they're gonna make their way in. Uh, we're back inside now uh, with Boris, and he informs Alex that the antenna is in position, so he was ready, I guess, to do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they activate the device, and the satellite moves into position now. Uh, Twenty minutes to detonation. God save the queen. It's a good line because he wants to kill the queen. Yep. Bond and Natalia are in the satellite base now. Uh, So the sets that included uh, the Soviet Archangel chemical facility from the beginning, the satellite base, and the interior of the armored Soviet train were all built on a soundstage in London. Mm. Uh, The Archangel facility set in particular was the most complex out of those three sets. 
since the engineers put so much detail into the architecture, uh, they even had like working outlets and switches as well as uh, cookware in the cafeteria. Everything in the cafeteria worked. Uh, so that's the cafeteria you see at the very beginning when he looks through the window and sees all the soldiers eating. Right. Uh, so it was such a great thing for them. The crew used it as their lunchroom during nice. filming. Nice. <laughs> it's pretty neat. They would actually eat there. Uh, Natalia, once they're in the base, she goes for the mainframe computer. Um, against Bond's suggestions, he suggestion he says don't move, but she's like, eh, I'm gonna go do this. Yeah, I'm not, you're not gonna tell me what to do, Bond. Uh, and Bond is laying explosive uh, controlled explosives controlled by his watch uh, while he's under fire. Uh, he surrenders and gets aggressively frisked and taken away. They're just like <laughs> shaking him. They're like, ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so a. No one cares about the highly flammable liquid spilling out of these recently shot up tanks. Nope. Two, why are they shooting in that direction of said tanks in the first place? And <laughs> D, I don't have a D, so moving on. So moving on. <laughs> uh, Natalia reaches the mainframe undetected and merely kneels in front of this giant window. Like, how is she not detected? Yeah. She, there's a giant window. The desk is just like a desktop. She's easily seen. <laughs> She's working her, <laughs> working her com- computer magic uh, and not concealing herself at all, like I said. Uh, Bond and Alec come face to face. So originally, Alec was going to be more of a mentor to Bond, and actors like Anthony Hopkins and Alan Rickman were considered, were offered the role, actually. Jeez. Uh, but both turned it down. Uh, they would end up casting Sean Bean, Sean Bean. I, I just want to call him Sean Bean because it rhymes, Sean Bean. Uh, at which point Alec was changed to be Bond's peer and not his mentor. Hmm. I would have loved Anthony Hopkins in this Bond movie. Or Rickman. Or I think, Rickman. I think both of them would have been really good. Yeah. Rickman would have played a better, like, maniacal evil guy, where Hopkins would have been more like the relaxed, I'm going to kill you type yeah, of guy. Right. Uh, both would have been really good choices. Yeah. And to see that dynamic of a mentor student as opposed to two peers would have made this movie have a different spin to it. Definitely. I think um, it would have made a little more sense I that think, way. I think you're right. And... Yeah, I mean, they would have had to maybe it would have it would have made more sense in the fact that you could have said instead of having like a infant or infant to three year old like Alec would have been when his parents committed murder suicide, you would have had maybe a teen to twenty year old that right. managed to escape as a right. point, which seems more plausible. To Definitely, him. yeah, it would have been cool to see that. Uh, Alec disarms the bonds with the, the bombs with Bond's watch, uh, and he basically has the same one and actually even references ah oh, the new model, <laughs> very impressive Bond. Um, our coworker has that watch. Nice, <laughs> showed me it today. <laughs> I was like, dang man, that's awesome. <laughs> Uh, we find out that Alec is using an atmospheric nuclear detonation to steal some money. Petty theft. He's just a bank robber. Yeah. Nothing more than a common thief. Yeah. Uh, they transfer the money over to his accounts right before the uh, he activates the golden eye, and that's going to erase all the records of the transactions. But not only that, but it should erase tax records, the stock market, credit ratings, land registries, criminal, criminal records. One problem, though. It's 1995. Yeah. All of these things are still done on paper. Yeah. So, and so. anything that was, anything that, it's 1995. Everything was done on paper. Anything that was done in the last hundred years is already on paper. Right. In gigantic storage rooms meant to withstand, especially very sensitive stuff, meant to withstand a nuclear war. Right. And 
even if it is on the computers, it's backed up on paper at this point instead of vice Correct. versa nowadays, like where it's backed up on the computer. No, it's backed up on paper. It's backed up on paper. We got some hard copies. And we, everything's a hard copy. We got in your 19- receipt. Yeah, everything's a hard copy in 1995. And I mean, the government stuff where a lot of this, especially like the tax, tax records, criminal records, land registries, credit ratings, all that government stuff. Yeah. They are some of the last people to switch over to those type of digital right, systems. Exactly. I mean, the, I mean, where we work, yeah. I mean, for real. Yeah. <laughs> we be wasting trees. <laughs> we be wasting trees. <laughs> Still today. <laughs> uh, it's just a, like, if you don't like that take, email us. Email us. I think it's a valid take. I don't give us your paperless response. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you know, if he did wipe out a small portion of that stuff, it would be a very small portion of that stuff that's right. been digitized. Yeah. And like you said, hard copies everywhere. Hard everywhere. copies everywhere. Uh, Natalia is found out, uh, but she manages to encrypt the mainframe as she was being hauled away. She just gets out of that guy's grasp. She's like, yeah, yeah. enter, <laughs> which her typing looks really weird. Like, especially when she was in that room by herself, she's like, I know she's typing in a different language, even though it was presented as English. You should surmise that she's typing in Russian. Right. That's another thing that I was going to talk about with this movie. <laughs> there should have been way more native Russian speaking. Yes. We just expect that stuff out of movies now. And in 1995, you expected it to be all English speaking. Yeah. And it's, it stuck out to me. I'm like, these people should be speaking a lot more Russian. A lot more Russian. A lot more Russian. It didn't have to be much more. Yeah. But when there's a non-English speaking, when there is no English speaking people in the scene, it should be in Russian. When Scene Bean says some of the most Russian in the movie, and it's only yeah. one line. Yeah. At the very <laughs> beginning there's a problem there's a problem with that yeah more russian just we'll just say the russian <laughs> we don't really need to do anything else i think that'll, well, co- that'll cover our base and that's the thing too um i don't have the exact stuff the exact uh places that these people are from but none of the main actors are russian that yeah. portray russians they're all from <laughs> yep. like finland and germany and england none of them are Detroit. actually yeah, they're <laughs> actually russian none of them are russian <laughs> Ah, boy. So, with Alec to explain to Bond that he was sent to England, he wants this. With Alec to explain to Bond that he wants to send England back to the Stone Age for revenge. Uh, the money is kind of just for fun. It's revenge is his big motivation here. Yeah. It, the rest is all the cost of betrayal. So, he's really holding that Cossack thing against them. Yeah. Uh, Natalia joins the party. Boris is happy to see her. She is not happy to see Boris. No. <laughs> uh, she gives him the what have you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Boris hits the ground while spilling uh, Bond's confiscated confiscated items onto the floor. Um, a flustered Boris grabs his glasses and Bond's explosive pen. Uh, uh, so I missed when Boris got the pen the first time watching. I, did too. Yep. I just noticed that. I'm like, that's the pen. Yeah. You know, but right. I missed that the first time. Uh, did you count the pen clicks? I did the last time. I definitely counted the pen clicks. I'm like, ah, I want to see if this turned out. So first it's one, two, three, four, five. So it's not on, right? Even though there was a like a pause in there, right. it's not on. Uh, Boris four turns it on, right? Three turns it on. Three turns it three on. Three turns it on. And three then, turns it off. And also. three turns it off. You got four seconds before it explodes. Oh, okay, I got you. Uh, so Boris is pissed. He says, "Don't ever do that again." And he rem- uh, Natalia reminds Boris that he's a uh, that real people are going to die because of him. And he calls she calls him a pathetic little worm. Yeah. And then he goes to hit her. Uh, so, okay, kill him. Yeah, kill him. <laughs> Alex stops him. Uh, she was in the mainframe. Check the computer. Uh, she's a moron, a second-level programmer. 
Cue the alarm. Yeah. <laughs> Retro rockets firing. Uh, Boris is one-handed typing to figure out what's going on because typing with one hand is way faster than two. Definitely. Uh, next, we get that pen click again. One, two, three, four. So still off. Yep. Uh, what the hell is happening? <laughs> uh, re-entry in 12 minutes is what's happening. Uh, Natalia changed the access codes to the satellite. So the satellite is going to burn up uh, over the Atlantic. Uh, Natalia is the real hero of this movie. Yep. She stopped Goldeneye. Yep. Bond did not stop Goldeneye. He did not. Natalia stopped Goldeneye. Yep. So the big bad thing that's supposed to happen in this movie is over. And yep. there's still like a half an hour movie to go. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks Natalia you did your country great good job um, Alec wants Natalia to fix it so uh, Bond gets a gun pointed at his head <laughs> gonna use him as a little collateral uh, one problem Bond means nothing to her <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they share a short moment of brevity between the two of them it's very subtle but they kind of both are like Bond's like oh boy does the eye roll and Natalia yeah. gives him that little tiny smirk little tiny Smirk. Yeah, he's like, I, I know I said the same thing to you, but do you mean that? Because I don't want to die. I got a gun pointed at me. Boris thinks he can break the codes, though. So back to that pen. Yep. One, two, three, four. So it's off. Yep. One, two, three, four. It's off. And then Boris drops the pen. It's almost comical at that, yeah. <laughs> at that point. The music even gets more intense. It like goes, yeah. <laughs> he dropped the pen. Oh, no. Uh, Alec orders Natalia to tell Boris the codes. Tell him now. <laughs> and then finally, one, two, three. So they actually did the clicks correctly. Yep. Way to go. To, way to go, production staff. Thank you for having that attention to detail. Seriously. Because they could have just been like, eh, who cares? <laughs> could have been like, people won't watch this five times in yeah. a matter of X number of days. Who's going to count the clicks? Yeah, nobody, nobody. <laughs> Ah, uh, Boris leaps up. Give me the codes now. That was kind of <laughs> Arnoldy. <laughs> Knowing that the shit is gonna hit the fan, Bond springs into the action and he smacks that pen. He disarms Alec and hits the deck with Natalia. Pure Bond heroics. Bond stuff. Only Bond can do that type of Bond stuff. Seriously. Only Bond. Smack. Judo chop. <laughs> Safety. <laughs> Come on. Uh, that pen lands right in the explode the ever expanding. Fool, fuel. That pen lands in the ever-expanding pool of fuel and kablooey. Yeah. <laughs> so just so let's think about this for a second. That pen flew across the room and up a level to land in that fuel. So when they take the second, so there's that initial shot of the explosion, and then there's the second shot right after it where you see the room start exploding. So there's the beginning of the explosion, then you see the room exploding. You can see the ring of computers on the ground level that's represented as being in front of the control room where everybody's at. Yeah. And the explosion happens across the room and up a level. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Okay. Okay. Don't. Don't look into those scenes too much, people, because it just ruins it for you. Yeah, and how can we go from the production team takes the time to make sure the clicks are correct 
But then they do something like that right after. It's kind of interesting. You could have had, I bet you, you could have had that pen land on the main floor just underneath where that stuff is happening. Yeah, because it was, le- I mean, they show the water leaking right. supposedly down to them. Right. You know. And even the heat from the explosion, you would think the energy and the heat from the explosion would be more than enough to set off that fuel. Yeah. Even if it was down a level. It was a massive explosion. I mean, right. it's a, what does Q call it? A grade four hand? grenade i bet grade four is way bigger than grade one yeah (laughs) i'm a big grade expert but i'm thinking i'm no grade guy (laughs) uh bond and natalia make a break for it right for that elevator no problem i mean they they have nowhere else to escape there's no evidence stairs but an elevator seems like a risky play seems like a risky play no one's guarding the elevator which is seemingly the only exit and it's open and ready to go and it's open and ready to go (laughs) door hold please Bond might need to escape later. Uh, that Maybe that's what he did. He snuck over there and taped the door hold button open. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to need this for later. <laughs> uh, we find out that Boris might be able to break the encryption codes that Natalia put in place in the elevator. So now it's on to plan B. And plan B is for them to destroy the transmitter. Uh <clears throat> at the controls, the, the control center uh, continues to explode, uh, killing everyone except for Boris and Alec in that room. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the elevator, the elevator reaches the top of the transmitter. Very convenient that that elevator goes straight to the top <laughs> of the yeah. transmitter. That's okay. Uh, and they go for the old dead soldier trick in an elevator. Yep. <laughs> it works perfectly. Bond drops down and knocks out that dude wearing a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> good good job not a good helmet no. uh he hands natasha uh, natalia a gun do you know how to use one of these duh stay out of sight yeah right <laughs> i mean she might as well have said that stuff yeah uh boris is uh still working on fixing the situation under duress if he moves kill him <laughs> okay that's some yeah that, that would put me under duress Ooh. that's for sure uh natalia finds a helicopter foreshadowing yeah uh, Alec knows Bond is going to go for the transmitter, so he heads up there too. That's the only play that's left is to go to the transmitter. Yep. On a very scenic trip of his own, in his own personal gondola, <laughs> how long do you think it was going to take him to get up there, right? I mean, it was moving pretty slow. Way longer than it seemingly did. <laughs> 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, because what we were ready, the last we heard, we had 12 minutes left. Yeah, and yeah. it's clearly been at least a few minutes since then. He is not making it up there in time. <laughs> he should have literally like looked at his watch and we should have heard like, do 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 and then it stops halfway and he's like you've got to be kidding me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, either way he's already caught up to bond and he is a very bad shot for a super spy he is horrible (laughs) 006 sucks (laughs) he's not 007 for a reason exactly (laughs) he misses bond on the catwalk but bond misses him though too right right is this an instance of professional courtesy i mean Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, Boris is still hard at work. Uh, Bond and Alec are both at the transmitter now. Uh, some very fun gunplay as Bond is running away, especially that somersault down the stairs. Amazing. Yeah, that stunt guy, he fucking went for it. Yeah, he did. It looked very painful. I'm guessing that's why they cut away from it so quick because he's yeah. probably like, oh my God, guys. <laughs> he's unconscious. Yeah, he's knocked out. <laughs> oh boy. But that's the, you know, it's a good way to tie the movie together because he did that same somersault at the beginning as right. he's doing at the end. Right. That's a 
patented Bond move. That proves it's necessary. It's very necessary. <laughs> Do you think in his everyday life, Bond just goes like somersaulting down any inclined slope that he <laughs> yeah. runs across? Speed boost. <laughs> Speed boost. Yeah. He sees a like a very gentle sloping like handicap uh, at entrance, and he's like <laughs> yeah. somersault, somersault, somersault. What the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> I'm practicing, guys. You never know when you're going to need to somersault down a slope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ah, oh boy. But Bond, he makes it inside the transmitter just as Boris gains access to the satellite again. Yes, I am invincible. That seems like it's his catchphrase almost. Yes. Uh, everything is moving again. Uh, Alec jumps down and kicks open the door to the mechanical room, and Bond is there waiting for him. <laughs> he slams Alec around and throws him down some stairs, and Bond fires his gun at him as Alec falls, which I found to be very badass. Yeah, it is. He just tosses him down those stairs yeah. and just like... <laughs> It was very cool. It was definitely cool. I don't know what it is about the faces that Pierce Brosnan makes, but I love them in this yeah. movie. He is a very good actor in the face. And this is obviously the best fight scene of the movie. Yes. Good hand-to-hand combat. Yes. And, you know, they do those patented movie things where it's lots of cuts. It's a dark room. Yeah, yeah. But it still is very good. It's very cool. And I love it. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. As Bond follows Alec down the stairs that he threw him, uh, Bond notices some poles on the wall, and so he sabotages the gearing in the transmitter. He could have probably stuck it a bit closer to that cog, right? The, yeah, the, <laughs> probably. Uh, either way, it makes it down there and causes a malfunction, cause, uh, halting the repositioning of the transmitter. So the hunt for Alex, it, Alec is on. Uh, in Bond's search, Alec gets the drop on him, though, and they tussle. <laughs> we just said it was a very good, very exciting fight. Close quarters is always fun. Yep. It just is always fun, very exciting. It uh, ramps up our uh, like intensity level to 11. It was already at a 910, and now it's, yeah. like, whoop, it's way up there again, which... These scenes, they get my heart pumping every time. It's For just like, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, it's a very boy thing to say and a boy <laughs> thing to do, but I am a boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bond ends up looking down the barrel of a gun. Uh, lucky for him, though, he has an escape route. It's not really much of one, but it Good. is an escape route. Nonetheless, he's right up against those that ladder. It buys him some time, uh, amps up the excitement even more, because now falling to your death is in this uh, in the equation. Yeah. Uh, thinking he's going to kill James Bond, Alex says, You know, James, I always was better. And James like, Ha-ha, trapdoor! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How does he hold on to that ladder? He doesn't. He the does answer not. to that question is he does not. There is no way <laughs> another one of those super impossible things. Yeah, so now we can add Bond to the list of strongest grip ever on our podcast. Ever, because he does it with one hand. <laughs> one too. hand the second time. Yeah. So we got Robin. We Rob got Pete's mom. <laughs> we got Bond. Is there anybody else I'm missing in contention for world's strongest grip? Those are the main ones. <laughs> and yeah, I, he might take the nod over Robin on I this mean, one. I mean, <laughs> he stopped his fall on a aluminum ladder, which he somersaults down. Somersaults down. And manages to get a grip on the very last rung. Come on. Yeah, I think eat your heart out, Robin. Eat your heart <laughs> out, Robin, yeah. At least he has a little more... Exp he's a, a trapeze artist. He's using his feet. Yeah. He's holding a woman. There's a bunch. But yeah, Bond, <laughs> not, not buying it. Especially not with the one it. hand situation. Yeah. 
And he put himself into that. So he, he did. Had, he had all the faith in himself he to pull that off. He's like, I got, I got the world's strongest grip. This yeah. is going to be no problem. Uh, but before Alec pursues Bond any further, he calls uh, for the helicopter to come over. He's like, this is Alpha One. You need to get over here, gunship. Start killing some people, please. I'm <laughs> struggling. <laughs> Uh, so he, Alex starts going down the ladder and he sees Bond on the, in the middle rung at this point and he slides down that ladder and knocks Bond to the last rung. How does Alec hold on to the Yeah, <laughs> okay. seriously. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Alec does the classic hand step, you know, I mean, that's in every, every bad guy having the hero hang over the edge. Yeah. Gotta step on that hand. Yeah. <laughs> Making Bond full a little, fall a little bit further down now at this point to, to the antenna. Uh, they continue the fight on this lower bit of the antenna, which is, it's very dramatic, but it seems weird to me. I don't know why they got to continue this fight on this little bit. I understand that that's how the movie goes and that's what they do, but it just seems kind of weird to me. It does seem like Bond is done for at this time. He definitely like... Scene Bean, throw him over the edge. Throw him over the edge. <laughs> His arms are killing him right now. <laughs> he definitely dislocated a shoulder or an yeah, elbow or something. Yeah, exactly. Like. Uh, that helicopter is arriving, but haha, Natalia is in the helicopter with a gun pointed at the pilot's head. Yeah. More gun pointing it. <laughs> More gun pointing. Uh, it's like the sixth or seventh time somebody, some different person has had a gun pointed at their head. Right. It's the ultimate bargaining chip in this movie. <laughs> Uh, I feel like, though, like, he's a military pilot that is in a terrorist group. Why wouldn't he just, like, jerk the handle over and just crash the thing, you know? Something, yeah. Obviously, he doesn't have a death wish. Yeah, judo chop. Hasn't been brainwashed enough. But this is enough to distract Alec from killing James Bond. Yeah. That is very, very weak. He's just like, huh? <laughs> Helicopter? <laughs> Oh, it's the helicopter I called for. I'm going to completely divert my attention from yeah. James Bond. Uh, so Bond knocks him off the edge by, knocks him off the edge and grabs him by the foot at the very last second. Yikes. For England, James. No, for me. Cold-blooded. Cold-blooded. <laughs> Bond drops Alec and he falls at least, at least 50 feet. At least. To his death? No. Question mark? <laughs> so Bond kills 47 people in GoldenEye. Jeez. The next closest Bond kills is in The Spy Who Loved Me in 1977 at 31. Jeez. As a matter of fact, Brosnan is by far the deadliest Bond with 135 kills across four films. Twice the average per film for every other Bond. Jeez. <laughs> he loves killing people. He does. I suppose... He does feel like gritty Bond does, you know, like he feels like Pierce Brosnan's Bond feels like he just don't give a fuck. He doesn't. You know, no. but it it's interesting this Bond movie where it's like kind of a a a nod to the 70s and 80s Bond, but he Bonds, but he wants to be gritty like late 80s, mid 90s gritty comic books. I'm yeah. killing everybody. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty cool. I'm glad that Pierce is the uh Pierce Brosnan is the deadliest Bond on record. Definitely. Even more deadly than Daniel Craig, and that seems hard to believe. He's killing dudes all over the place. I know, that, that does seem crazy. Seems hard to believe. Uh, Alec only lives to be crushed by the falling satellite transmitter after it blows up. That's the only reason he lives, yeah. to get that to get that thing. Um, why would that transmitter blow up at the top? 
it's not like there's explosives. May I could see it like falling down from damage to that cog stuff. It would rattle everything, causing it to fall apart. Yeah. But exploding? Doesn't make sense. Maybe there's just a whole bunch of fuel up there for some reason or another. Yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> uh, just as Bond escapes by jumping for the helicopter skid and grabbing it and being flown away to safety. Once again, demonstrating that grip. Uh, and the satellite burned up. Boris failed. <laughs> Did you like the the model work for the satellite? It was pretty good. Yeah. I That, to me, seemed like CG, like how CG would have been represented. But it's all model work. Yeah. I thought it was good. They, it looked good. We've hardly talked about the way that satellite looks. I just wanted to bring it up quick. Um, he does. Uh, Boris does survive the destruction of the control room. I am invincible. Well, Boris, 300 gallons of liquid nitrogen says differently. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he should have fallen over and shattered? Uh, that would have been cool. He should have fallen that over and shattered. Some like Mortal Kombat fatality yeah, Mortal, stuff. I I can see why maybe they wouldn't have done that because that I mean that was like popularized and made famous in T two because that's what happens to the liquid the T one thousand is he T two thousand T one thousand yeah he falls over after he gets frozen and busts into pieces but uh, I think he should have it would have been a more fitting end to him or at least maybe like I don't know that'd be about it he looked. Do you think if you got doused with like that much liquid nitrogen, how quick would your death be? Fast. I, Do you think it would be fast? I think so. I feel like it would be really fast too, but then I thought, wouldn't it just like freeze your outer layer so you would be conscious for a while? True. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But if it's falling on your head, it would probably freeze your brain. Yeah. Before something. But I probably can't... take longer than we think it would, but yeah. I think still. It's a fitting end for him to be killed during his terrible catchphrase. I'm invincible. Yeah. I hate that catchphrase. Hate it. And that way he puts his arms in the air every yeah. time. I'm invincible. And no it. one thinks he's cool. No, nobody. At any point. Nobody the... thinks he's cool. Uh, maybe real hackers from 1995 thought yeah. he was cool. <laughs> they probably <blurs>. didn't. <laughs> probably didn't. Uh, the helicopter drops off our heroes, and it's time to bang again. <laughs> Four P. <laughs> well, suppose someone is watching. There's no one within 25 miles. Yo, Jimbo! <laughs> <laughs> I said I'd be here with yo, Marines! Uh, he actually said that. I said I'd be here. Yo, Marines! <laughs> <laughs> Didn't say it the way I said it at all. Uh, maybe you two would like to finish debriefing each other at Guantanamo. <laughs> <laughs> and then they leave with the Marines. Yep. Roll credits! Roll credits. Well, what'd you think? You know what? It's all right. Yeah, man. I wouldn't say it's awesome, but it's certainly, there's some great action. Like I said, the music is great and it's super, you know, we'll get into it more when we actually do the video game episode, but... I'm constantly thinking of the video game whenever yeah. I hear the music in the movie, which is awesome. I love uh, Sean Bean. Yep. So that was actually somehow I forgot that he's in the game. So, of course, he's oh, in the movie. Yeah. So that was cool. And like you said, Brosnan is a great James Bond. He is. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is insanely <laughs> unrealistic. But they do just enough parts that aren't cheesy that it, it works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a whole, the movie works very well for me, even though we just spent an hour and a half picking, picking holes into it, you know, finding yeah. all the holes in it. Uh, I really, really, I love Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. Yeah. And that is enough for me for this movie to be like, I really like this movie. Yeah. It's going to be a movie that 
I'm going to try to introduce to my children. I'm gonna be For like, sure. you need to watch Pierce Bros and his bond. Skip all that eighties and seventies yeah. and sixties stuff. This goes straight to the nineties. Um, and you mentioned the game, and we are going to get to that game. Originally we said that this is gonna be part of this podcast, but nobody wants a three hour podcast. So No. If you've listened this far, good job. Good job. <laughs> But yeah, I really love this movie, and I can't wait to get to some more Bond at some point. Definitely. Um, are you ready to talk about the homework assignment? What is it, Drew? The homework assignment is a Garfield Christmas. Boom. It's also known as a Garfield Christmas special. Of course, Garfield is created by Jim Davis, and you should know that if you've been alive ever. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Jim Davis, directed by Phil Roman and George Singer, he's the co-director, starring Lorenzo Music, who is Garfield, Tom Huge, Hidge. Hidge. it's probably like Hugh or something like that, but it's spelled like Huge, uh, Greg Berger, Julie Payne, Pat Harrington Jr., David L. Lander, and Pat Carroll. Theme music composed by Ed Bogus and Desiree Goyote <laughs> music and lyrics. Uh, Lou Rawls, uh, Tom Huge, uh, Greg Berger, Desiree Goyote, and Lorenzo music all provided vocals for the theme song, also. Country of origin, United States. Duh. <laughs> um, and it was produced by Phil Roman. Its original runtime is 24 minutes, and the production companies for Garfield were Film, Roman, United Media, and Pause Incorporated. Uh, the release for this was originally on the CBS network, and the original release for this specific episode was December 21st, 1987, and you can find it for free. Well, you have to have a subscription. <laughs> <laughs> you can find it on Peacock. Peacock. Uh, Garfield and Friends, quickly, how much have you watched? Lots or little? A uh, good amount. Good amount. Okay. That's good, because I love me some Garfield. Yeah, I love Garfield. All right, Trev, hit me with that outro. Let's do it. So our first email comes from Man Bear Pig. He's hitting us up again. He says, this is about the Hellraiser episode. Hey guys, pretty sure I laughed more at this review than any others. Loved when you or love when you guys do the R-rated breakdowns. This movie costs one million to make and grossed fourteen point eight. Avengers Endgame cost three hundred and fifty six million and grossed two point eight billion. So if you do the math, Hellraiser had almost double the margins. So really Hellraiser was more successful. How silly. Uh, <laughs> That's a great take, Man Bear yeah, Pig. I love that. Love it. Side note, did you notice how the door handles in Hellraiser were insanely offset? Usually a door handle is like two, three quarter inches from the edge, but these seem to be like six inches or more. Weird. And he said, almost more appalling than Frank not leaving slime all over Julia. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part. That's a great bit. Um, and then he says, here's the actual question. Uh, my questions are, since Trav hasn't watched Simpsons Tree of Horrors, are we going to get some episodes for next Halloween? I think that makes perfect sense. It does. I am just leery of doing Simpsons because so much has been done on The Simpsons. Sure. You know, I'm a little leery. I could say I I could go for doing a one-off Treehouse of Horrors. Yeah, maybe we can fit it in where we just do a one episode and we do it in the off week kind yeah. of thing. And like, using The Simpsons for holiday uh, content... I think that's a great idea. Definitely. But, you know, I we're doing a movie every year yep. is the plan, and we've been doing pretty fun with uh, Nick, uh, Nickelodeon yep. uh, uh, Halloween stuff. So, But we'll definitely find a way to f uh, fit it in there. And then he asked, Drew, which is your favorite episode? He said, my favorite memory of Simpsons Tree of Horror 
Is that what it is? Tree of Tree House of Horror. Tree House of Horrors is one about advertising where the big donut guy starts killing indiscriminately. <laughs> just don't look. Just don't look. Will forever be stuck in my head. Also, the Willie one where he plays Freddy Krueger is a classic. Mm. On the 13th day of the 13th month. Damn, this smarch weather gets me every time. As always, thanks for the laughs. Oh, that's really great. So my favorite Treehouse of Horror episode is the time-traveling uh, Homer. Uh, it's it's a very chalky take, as in everybody chooses that one kind of, but it's uh, it's just a really, really great episode where he travels through time through a toaster that he tried to fix and inadvertently made a time machine out of it. And nice. It's just a very, very funny episode, and when I think of Treehouse of Horror, that's what I think of. And then I also think of, I'm not sure if it's the same uh, episode for Treehouse of Horror, but the Simpsons get abducted by uh, Ang and Kang. Ang and Kang? I think that's the name of the aliens. And they think that they're going to be eaten alive by the aliens and they have evidence of a book which says how to eat humans and then somebody blows uh dust off of it and says like how to eat with humans and then oh. somebody blows more uh dust off of it it's like how to prepare to eat with humans so they don't know it's like <laughs> if somebody blows more dust off of it don't quote me on those lines it's around that type of thing but yeah uh treehouse of horror time traveling uh, homer with the toaster is probably my favorite one nice uh, next email here comes from Slippy Slappy Swanee Swanson wants to know our favorite shooter growing up and or our first shooter we ever played. And I'm going to assume he means online with that and any online shooters. Because, of course, what we're talking about today is probably the first shooter we've played, yeah. Goldeneye. Yeah, no, 100%. So we're not going to count that. No, we won't count that. So either your favorite shooter or the first one you ever played. So I'm I'm going to go with my favorite shooter being uh, the first Halo. Okay. So when I went to college in South Dakota for one year, that was it, <laughs> <laughs> um, we discovered, this was before even Wi-Fi when I went to college in South Dakota, uh, we discovered that we could connect uh, my roommate's Xbox to the LAN connection that our computers would connect to. Nice. And when we did that, Xboxes from across the campus showed up on the ability to play with these people playing Halo. So we just started randomly playing people and then we met these people and it was like all of us that we're all on the same campus and all of a sudden we're playing LAN Halo, like 30 people on our floor in different rooms. Everybody's playing different, you know, games and different. That it was quite the experience to do that. It in such awesome. A, it was really, really cool because, uh, the way we found out, like, got connected with the first, uh, the first dude named Clifford. Very unique name for a guy yeah. in 2003. But yeah. uh, we were like at the main commons where we were eating, and we were talking about it. And he happened to he overhear us. And I don't remember what he went by on the Halo, like what he went by for his Xbox Live name. But he goes to my roommate. He's like, are you so-and-so? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, I'm so-and-so. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Oh, so that was really, really cool. It was a very fun experience. And I'll never forget that. So it was yeah, very fun. That's super awesome. Uh, so my first one I ever played, I don't remember what the actual acronym is, but it's SOCOM. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know what yeah, you're talking about. Uh, so different from most shooters now yeah. it seems so simple as third person when it comes to my favorite i'd either have to say kill zone one which i think i've mentioned before that was playstation or gears of war when mm, i got a 360 mm -hmm. i was super into gears i like the small teams of four people and i liked the game mode Warzone, where 
you die, you're done for the round. Right. I like that better than people memorize the spawn points and yeah. their camping spawn yeah. points and TDM crap. No. Uh, but Killzone was for sure my favorite. I had a group of guys that I met on there, and we were insanely good. Nice. At one point, we were ranked second awesome. on uh, whatever the website was that kept track of professional gaming cool. back in 04. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was super fun, and then we all transitioned to Battle, uh, Battlefield Modern Combat 2, mm. and we were just too late to get entered in the beginning tournament for that game, which was a money tournament. The winner took two hundred and fifty grand, but we needed one more player. Well, we got that player after the tournament started, mm. and we played the team that took second, and we crushed them. Woo. So my life could have been totally different. Totally we could have won that two hundred and fifty grand when I was fourteen years old. Who knows? It would have been nuts. <laughs> but it didn't happen. So here we are doing this podcast. <laughs> uh, next emailer comes from Samsonite. Wants to know. Uh, your favorite N64 color growing up. I know you didn't have a 64, no. but give me the favorite color of one of the see-through models, or you can give me your favorite PlayStation controller color. Um, I will go with the red 64. Boom. Red's a, one of my top three favorite colors. I like the way it looks. The green would be a close uh, second for the 64 console. The Donkey Kong yeah, one. Yeah, the Donkey that was Kong cool. one. And then anytime you see those uh, 64s that... Uh, were like one-offs, like the Pokemon one oh. and stuff like that. They look so cool. And it would be been... like rich if you had yeah, one of those. Yeah, I know. Now. It would be quite fun to have one of those uh, today, but I don't. So Definitely. Um, I have the red one, yep. actually, which is awesome, but I put blue and orange. Oh, I nice. definitely wanted one of those, but they were all so cool. It's like, as long as I don't get the plain gray yeah. one, give me one of the see-through ones for sure. Uh, so last thing here is my question from Drew or for Drew. What held you back from getting an N64? Because I still don't know. And I know you personally, and I know just how much you love SNES, Nintendo, and your Game Boy. So I find it weird that you didn't have a 64. What was the reason? Uh, it's very, very simple. I got a PlayStation for Christmas and did not get a 64. Sure. That's it. Uh, and I never... I just, it was full on PlayStation after that. It was yep. just, I just dove into PlayStation. You know, at the time in 1993 or four, when I got that, it, uh, it wasn't common to have multiple consoles. Yeah, you know? yeah definitely. Uh, so that's, that is the only reason that is the one that Tom picked up off the shelf for Christmas one year. He nice. got a PlayStation. I'm sure. Cause Tom's the type of guy to do this. He probably read consumer reports and yeah. consumer reports probably recommended the PlayStation over the 64. Sure, so he's like, sure. I'm going to get the 64, the PlayStation. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I got the PlayStation for Christmas one year, and then I don't know if it was literally the following birthday, but my Christmas and my birthday are six months apart. Then I got the red 64 mm. from my dad. So I was an only child, so, you know, he was just handing me over the video games nice. to keep me preoccupied. But, <laughs> and, and it worked. It so. worked. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that wraps up another fun episode. Uh, shout out to Jake and Triple Falls for the suggestion. Uh, shout out to all of our listeners. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Overdue Homework Podcast. Email us at Overdue Homework Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, don't forget to tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast. Yeah.